This is Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus. Well, we are back and it is go time. What is up, everyone? Welcome to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Hope you had a great Labor Day weekend. Special shout out to all the WSTers and Bomber fans that went out to Regina for the Labor Day Classic. And uh, <laughs> what a game and what a week it sets up heading into Saturday's Banjo Bowl here in Winnipeg at IG Field at 3 p.m. in the midst of a CFL triple header on the first weekend of NFL action. We, uh, let's face it, there's one big story. There's a few big stories. We're going to get to Canada with that incredible win Sunday morning, come back against Spain to move on to the quarters of the FIBA World Cup, and most importantly, clinch Canada's return to the Olympics for the first time in 23 years. And uh, we'll also talk about some of the other big stories, Blue Jays and uh, U.S. college football, pretty wild. Tough one for the Bisons as well who uh, it wasn't a good weekend for Manitoba football against Saskatchewan. I will say that. A big, big halftime lead for the Bisons, and unfortunately, they weren't able to hang on. And then there was the Bombers and Riders, and oh, man, do we have a lot to get to from that one. And um, I'm really looking forward to it. Dusty, Dustin Nielsen called the game. He and the boys are getting ready to launch Edmonton Sports Talk tomorrow. He's going to jump on with us and talk about what he saw at Mosaic Stadium We'll also get, I mean, I guess we can technically say maybe a bit more of a rider side based on his history. Rod Peterson's going to jump on. And then the guy that was in the middle of, well, let's just say the most heated post-game comments we've heard maybe ever from Zach Caleros, Jeff Hamilton, is uh, coming on as well. And then a little later on the program, we will talk about Canada's big game tomorrow against Slovenia and what they've already accomplished at the FIBA World Cup with a former Canadian Olympian, Dwight Walton. Should be a great show. Great to have you all with us, especially some of you that are maybe get back, getting back into your fall routine of being at the office and probably having WST on your YouTube throughout the afternoon. Welcome, all of you. If you haven't already, hit that red subscribe button and give a thumbs up for the show as well. Just before we bring in Michael Remus, a big shout out to our friends and sponsors, Princess Auto, Cool Bet Canada. Check Cool Bet, by the way, Cool Betters. Uh, great promo right now for the first week of NFL season. Even if you have played there before, like many of us have, uh, NFL reload bonus, $50 in. You'll get a 100% bonus up to 50 bucks on that. Check the Twitter feed, but the promo code is NFLRL23. Um, Got to thank Vita Health, Wallace & Wallace, F Apparel, and Nick and & Nicky DQ. Consolidated Supply, Royal Sports, Boston Pizza, Little Brown Jug, Aikens Lake, Breezy Bend, Assiniboia Downs, who are back at it tonight at the track. And, of course, Modern Man, Aquatech, Manitoba Battery, and Canadian Club. Well, we are back, and look who's back today. Michael Remus. Remo, how is your, how is your week off? How was your long weekend, and are you ready to hit the ground running because uh, this is going to be a banger show today? I'm fired up. The calendar has changed. It's September. Uh, NHL training camp starting up very soon. We're into the best part of the CFL season. Uh, this is great. So happy to be back. Had a nice time off. That was my first time off in a while. I'm feeling good here, Huss. 
So uh, great to see everyone in chat too. Appreciate all the all the kind words. So yeah, lots of welcomes back. And again, shout out to Jeremy J Remo as the chat has called yes. him. Um, great job last week. Incredibly smooth, getting us in and out of everything. We did miss marbles, but don't worry. We'll have a big marble race, a banjo bowl marble race coming up on Friday, and get back to it probably for another. 51 straight Fridays until Remus some for some reason misses a uh, misses a Friday show again. Let's get to the game. An overtime loss for the Bombers, which came down to a missed two-point convert at the end of the first OT. Remo, there is so much for us to get to from this football game. Um, and I know a ton of the discourse afterwards was about the stupidity of the Pete Robertson cheap shot on Zach Caleros, and we'll certainly get to that. Um, but to me, as mad as the Bombers were afterwards about that, I think they were also mad at the way that they started the football game, certainly on offense, um, and some real missed opportunities that, frankly, ended up being the difference between uh, coming back with another win at Mosaic and uh, Saskatchewan getting uh, some a much needed boost and a big big sixth win of the season. Yeah, I'd say the game was there for the taking for the Bombers, but they weren't able to execute. And we have to play the Zach Calaris post game. He was uh, just about as heated as I don't know if he was on the level Rick Bonus after Game Five in Vegas, but he was <laughs> he was pissed off. You know, pissed off at the headbutt being on the receiving end and not having the flag right away, but also pissed off. At that, he knew that that game was there for them to win, and they didn't execute the passing in the first first quarter. Not there at all. But in the second quarter, I mean, you do a hundred yard drive and three passes with three incredible catches from Shone Dembski and Waltarski, and it was kind of that inconsistent passing attack, which uh, in the long run hurt them. Um, you know, a couple other things didn't get any turnovers from the defense, and they turned the ball over. Um, they you know they turned it over early, it led to a field goal. You lost by two points, and oh yeah, we'll probably be talking about rouges uh, a lot. And I know there's a lot of people who don't like the rouge. I think it's awesome, and definitely added uh, a lot of intrigue to the game there at the end. I didn't um, like giving up the rouge. I have no issue with the rouge <laughs> rules in the Canadian Football yeah. League, but I think I will say this: the way the Bombers managed rouges in that game. Um, I think was a big part of why uh, that game ended up going to overtime. Um, let me just speak to that for a minute because, I mean, I, I'll bring it up with some of the other guys and see what they thought. I mean, to me, and, 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 and Coach O'Shea did sort of speak to that afterwards that, you know, maybe looking back, they they do things a little differently. It was on, not, not the rouge that tied the game, Um or that uh, that put them to within three, excuse me, in the fourth quarter. It was the earlier rouge in the fourth quarter that I personally hated. And again, Mike O'Shea knows more about football than all of us combined. He is a Hall of Fame coach. He has done... I mean, I'm not in the business of second-guessing Mike O'Shea, and I think anyone that listens to this program knows that almost never have we said that, geez, did, like, was that a good decision? More often than not, he gets it right. But I, uh, to give up a point to gain 10 yards um, was, was very curious to me. And if you recall, this is not the, not the one at the end, towards the end of the game that put the game. Here it is. You're seeing it right now. 
an absolutely stupid no yards penalty on on Saskatchewan. That's a big, big point. Um, They called the no yards, and the Bombers elected to take the ball on the 40, giving up a single, as opposed to the 30 without one. And and I'll be honest, watching the game, I was second-guessing myself whether I forgot the rules. That like maybe it would make sense if you had to start the ball in your own 15-yard line without the point. But it was the 30, and they got to the 40, and obviously that point ended up being uh, being you know a very very impactful considering that game went to OT. Uh, but honestly, Remus special teams I think was another big big part of the game. As Saskatchewan's return game was very very effective. Winnipeg's wasn't. I like the way Castillo kicked. I like the way Sheehan punted. But the combination of the coverage and really a lack of any return game to speak of from Winnipeg in such a tight game was another big, big part of that game and the end result. Yeah, I think you've seen this for the last couple games. Well, since Janier and Grant's gone out, you're not seeing those big uh, return plays. I know Greg McRae has had a couple, but just hasn't been there. Janier and Grant, he's a, a big game player. You know, you remember him in the playoffs. Um, you know, with big runs, uh, leading to scores or scoring himself, breaking tackles, and just the coverage on punts and kickoff returns. If you just want to, just from last game, and I know the last couple of games, especially the game against Montreal, it seems like any time there was, um, you know, a kickoff or a punt, the other team would be getting a ton of yards. So you just look at the averages from last game, Jamal Parker on punt returns, 8.1 yards per return. Mario Alford, 13 0.7, not quite double, but uh, I would say more. And then this is the huge difference on kickoff returns. Greg McRae, 13.5 on, uh, what, two kickoff returns average? And check out Alford's on four kickoff returns, 38.8. So you're basically starting, I mean, what, about the 40? Uh, at, yeah. At, like, every time on kickoff? So, I mean, you're scoring, and you're just giving the ball back for them, like, pretty close to field goal position already. And, you know, one of the key drives that, that where the Bombers had an opportunity to ice the game and they weren't able to was not their final uh, uh, series of the fourth quarter, but the one before. You know, they get try to hand off to Brady Oliveira, which, you know, I thought maybe you'd want them to be more aggressive, but that's what they do. They try to run it out with Oliveira, and you hope he can get, like, five or something to create short yards. Oliveira was unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, he was their offense in the first half, minus that one drive on that final possession. Yeah, and so he picked up three, and so they're, what, they're second and seven, and you have Kenny Lawler one-on-one, and they try to hit him on a, you know, a quick comeback, but it was a great play by Marshall, who came and got the hand. So they punt, and, you know, they, they punt the ball. I think it's caught around the 20. But they returned it to the 40, so they had pretty short field to get that game-tying field goal in the end of the fourth quarter. But they almost, it was Morrow almost punched it in himself. Uh, thankfully, the Bombers, um, you know, they they bent, didn't break there in the, at the end. But uh, Jake Dolgal, I mean, what, third start of his career has? 326 yards, no turnovers. Uh, pretty impressive start for him. And I do think the game was there for the Bombers, but hats off to the Riders for a great one. Uh, and I'm looking forward to the rematch, but definitely some areas where uh, they'd like to clean it up. Yeah. By the way, thank you, Winnipeg Blue Jay, for mentioning the Travis Kelsey hyperextended his knee at practice today, and his status for Thursday is uncertain. Yeah, I, just I, what I needed to just do. got that to alert. Completely throw me off to get through. We'll talk NFL closer to Thursday, and 
We've got a lot to get to. Yeah. There was a lot of missed opportunities. This wasn't the best of the Bombers. And, and Reem, I'm sure you would agree. I mean, it was, it was bizarre to see how much difficulty the Winnipeg Blue Bombers had throwing the football in the first half. I mean, minus that one, that one drive. And, I mean, does that drive even happen if Nick Dembski doesn't make that ridiculous tip-to-himself catch? One-hander? Um he had a monster game, what, five yards for up to, what, I think 118, or five catches for 118 yards. Um, it was just really uncharacteristic. And listen, part of the credit has to go to uh, the Saskatchewan defense. But I really think the Bomber defense deserves a lot of credit for keeping them in the game in that first half. And with the exception of Brady Oliveira bulldozing for a number of first downs, the passing game was literally non-existent. And... Um, you know, to be honest, it was feeling like the West Final in 2021. You know, obviously, the onside kick to start the game off, the early pick from Zach Caleros. Um, the Bombers were doing not a lot right, and yet the defense was keeping them in the game, and uh, they kept it into the game. But as you mentioned, Jake DeLegala deserves some, deserves some credit, um, you know, with the way that, you know, he played, especially in the second half and in overtime. Um it sets up a very, very fun Banjo Bowl week and Banjo Bowl. Um, but, of course, the other big story in this game, Remo, was the, uh, I mean, the cheap shot on Zach Caleros from Pete Robertson that, to me, one of the most unforgivable and stupidest penalties I've seen in professional sports. Um, you know, as bad of a, 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 you know, as bad of a cheap shot that it was on Zach that play, um, I mean, if you are, if you're in the Saskatchewan huddle or in the Saskatchewan coaching staff, you have to be wondering. You can see Micah Johnson going, what the hell are you doing? Um, and listen, credit to the CFL for dropping the hammer down um, with that one-game suspension. Um, but I know a lot of the talk was about that play afterwards. And honestly, that should have been the gift that the Bombers took advantage of and won that football game. Um, unfortunately for Winnipeg, they didn't. And this is going to be a very pissed off bomber team back at practice and getting ready for the return of the riders on Saturday. That's one of the crazier plays you see. Like you think you get the stop on second down or isn't that, isn't that enough? Like you need to admire the play and then headbutt the quarterback of all players and, was strange that what the refs didn't see it and it wasn't flagged. It did get flagged eventually. I don't know if it was a command center or what, but that is again, you even see a guy on his own team's like, What the hell are you doing, man? We just stopped them. Like, why why are you going up to the quarterback? Just go back to the bench. Like you you never see that. Like that is really um oh, it was, a listen, not smart it's so, play. It's so stupid and usually the bombers are a team that, you know, you give them an opportunity like that and they'll take advantage of it and make you pay. And, uh, you know, credit for Saskatchewan for hanging in there. And, you know, we all know the way the game ended up. That play dominated a lot of the conversation afterwards. Um, but in reality, that was a gift to the Bombers that they didn't take advantage of. Um, but obviously, Pete Robertson, you know, hurting his team in the moment and now hurting his team with the suspension. We're going to talk about it with Dustin Nielsen, Jeff Hamilton, and coming up in just a second, Rod Peterson. Can't wait to see what Rod thought of the big weekend in the uh, Canadian Football League. Just before we do that, because we're going to get into this with Rod. Remo, if you can, get to uh, let's get to Zach's um, post-game comments, because uh, 
Uh, Jeff Hamilton walked into a bit of a hornet's nest, I think, at that time. Uh, Zach Caleros both pissed off with the result of the game and obviously still livid with the, uh, I don't do we even call it a hit from Pete Robertson? I mean, it certainly wasn't a football play. The headbutt, whatever you want to call it. This was Zach Caleros, a very steamed Zach Caleros after the Labor Day Classic in Regina. It's the biggest difference in games like that, Zach. Um, execution, yeah. Turn the ball over early, give him three points, lose by three. You were pretty heated on the sidelines after that hit by Robertson. What did you see on that play? What did you see? Saw a guy hit by me. Yeah. You think the league will do anything about it? I'm not sure. You've been in this. You've been around for a long time. What, you, what would you? What would your assumption be? I wouldn't hold my breath. Yeah. Okay. Like Dylan always yeah. Surprise you. It happens all the time. Yeah, I'm wondering. You know, in that kind of game, it looked like. I know you could look at a lot of different plays, but another slow start for you guys. Yeah, not good enough. We didn't execute. Um, we didn't execute. What did we complete three passes in the first half? It's terrible. So, how do you account for that? I mean, obviously, this offense is. I don't know. Are we prolific? I don't know. We need to be better. All right. There's Zach Caleros. Uh, short, sweet, and to the point. Not happy with their performance. And uh, obviously still <laughs> still hot about the Robertson incident. We're going to talk about it with Rod Peterson coming right up. Hey, guys, if it's time to get your act together now that the Labor Day weekend is behind you, start looking good for fall and the turn of the seasons, get on down to Modern Man Barbershop. Modern Man now has eight locations in Winnipeg, including the newest locations on either Pemina Highway or Plessy Road. Modern Men Barbershops offer a variety of grooming services, including haircuts, beard shaping, shaves, color services, and more. Easiest way to make an appointment is to book your look online at modernmanbarber.com for any of the eight locations in town. And while you're at it, give them a follow on Instagram over at Modern Man Barbershops. Well, pool season is shutting down a little bit. You know, it's it's coming to an end. Hopefully we might have a few more, little bit more weather like we did on the weekend. Uh, and Aquatech are always the go-to people when it comes to taking the plunge for an in-ground or out-ground pool. Um, but if you're ready to enhance your kitchen, bathroom, or even add a man cave to your home, Aquatech is the place to do exactly that. Aquatech with thousands of reno, uh, thousands of renos as their foundation can upgrade any space in your home. Visit aqua-tech.ca to learn about their whole home renovations, including financing options. Again, that's aqua-tech.ca. Well, we are, uh, we've probably got the summer behind us, but um, the need for batteries never stops. And uh, Donnie and the gang at Manitoba Battery are your local choice with the best prices in town and undoubtedly the best service because they will deliver those batteries to you anywhere in the city, inside the perimeter, for free on any purchase over 60 bucks. Uh, literally anything you need. I mean, obviously all summer long we've been doing boat batteries and camper and lawn tractor, but as the seasons change, certainly your go-to for all car and truck batteries, Manitoba Battery really does have it all. Pop down and see them at 1026 Logan Avenue. Check out everything they've got going on and order online at manitobabattery.com or give them a call and Donnie and his great staff will help you out as well. And uh, tell you what, I hope now that the liquor uh, strike is over that they've stocked up those Canadian Club and Ginger Ales and Canadian Club in general because I have a feeling that Bomber and Ryder fans might drink that stadium dry on Saturday afternoon. You can pick up Canada's favorite whiskey and the official spirit of the Bombers at your local Manitoba Liquor Marts and... They'll have plenty of stock for the Banjo Bowl. 
And of course, if you want something great for the tailgate, try that CC in ginger available in 473 milliliter cans and six packs. You can pick those up at LC's, but also at your local beer store. All right. Let's get to a little LDC aftermath and look ahead to the Banjo Bowl with uh, the longtime voice of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders and the host of the RP Show, Rod Peterson. Hot Rod, buddy. How are you, my man? Great to have you back on the show. What a game. Oh, Huss, they're calling it the greatest game ever played in new Mosaic Stadium since it opened in 2017. And to be honest, probably... It is from a Saskatchewan perspective. I hope. Uh, did you make the trek? By the way, I was following your social media. It didn't I, I look did, like you I were did there. I did not make the trek. I was yeah. trying to uh, rope a few of the fellas to uh, kind of do a last-minute run. But um, and you know, it was good. I, I actually, you know, having been to it so many times, it was nice to be able to watch to, to watch it on television, you know, with the crew and get a lot of the the things that you miss, um, you know, when you're in the stadium. Um, but I'll tell you what, I certainly did miss that atmosphere because it looked like it was absolutely bananas at Mosaic, which was great to see. And I can tell you that that is just a warm-up for what could be an even crazier crowd, especially now that there's a lot of Ryder fans feeling pretty good about themselves that are now deciding to make the trip. Yeah, well, which, of course, it's been sold out. I was reminded today by... Michael Wynn from Ice Time Sports in Winnipeg, that this Banjo Bowl has already been sold out for a week, so it's not like they got any more tickets to sell. But I don't know, Andrew. Um, for whatever reason, it's not your typical games. Really, what do they say? History is the best predictor of the future. Sask always wins on Labor Day weekend. They have 38 out of 59 times. And the Bombers usually win on the Banjo Bowl. So, yeah, I... I from a Saskatchewan perspective, they think they're coming in and they have momentum, but I don't expect them to win on Saturday. Look how mad Zach was. And, uh, you know, obviously we can get into all of these things here, but the Winnipeg wasn't good. They weren't. I watched the whole game on CBS Sports Network, and I really appreciate their coverage of it. It'd be nice if they had an HD channel, but that's a matter for another – at least I could tell what was going on. <laughs> and – um it was Saskatchewan's day. It usually is on that weekend. But the Riders got beat by a third-string quarterback. They had opportunities to, to nail it down late and didn't. Zach wasn't accurate when it mattered the most. So they get, let's put it this way. They have more than enough reason to be ticked off and win the Banjo Bowl. And that suspension, which you've been talking about, more than anything, I think was one game to defuse the whole situation. Because had he not been suspended, I can't imagine how livid the Bombers would be. Oh, yeah, no doubt about it. I mean, listen, I mean, I, there's no one defending that play. It was a cheap shot. <clears throat> but on top of that, you'll have cheap shots, Rod. It's one of the stupidest plays I can remember in professional sports in a long time. Like, I think the Bombers need to be even more pissed off about losing that football game because they got four points gift-wrapped by Pete Robertson in the fourth quarter at the most most important time of the game, took advantage of it and then let that slip away. And to be honest, that is unlike the Bombers. I mean, you're undisciplined. You take stupid penalties. You make mistakes. This is a team that for the last four or five years has made you pay for it and ended up leaving with a win. And it could not have been gift-wrapped anymore by that bit of stupidity by, by Robertson. And I think the Bombers are even more angry that they let that slip away because that is so inexcusable, Rod. Uh, and Saskatchewan just sort of, I mean, 
I, I would love to know. I mean, and I don't know whether you've seen any of the post game. I mean, I know he's sort of standing up for his guy and he said that he hadn't seen it. What must the Saskatchewan coaches have been saying in the coaches room afterwards, having a beer going, what the hell was this guy thinking? They had just got them off the field on a huge second down stop to force a field goal. Uh, he wasn't thinking <laughs> that's your answer. Like, and to be honest, uh, Number one, you haven't asked me what I think about the suspension, so I'll ask myself. I didn't. I if 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 it had just been a fine, that wouldn't have surprised me. One game doesn't really surprise me either, for the reason I said earlier to defuse the situation. But I talked to Matthew Barnaby about this. Huss, him and I have gotten to be great friends, and he says when he had all those hearings in New York, right in front of Colin Campbell, Colin Campbell, Colin Campbell would say, "What were you thinking when you took twenty strides and elbowed so and so right in the face?" I wasn't thinking. That's the answer. I wasn't thinking. So that's why, you know, I had Ambrosi on last week, and I said I don't like the phrase Labor Day weekend as the unofficial kickoff to the CFL season because it's like, what have we been doing the last three months then? But Randy said it. The intensity ratchets up come Labor Day weekend, and we saw that on the weekend. Pete Robertson lost his mind, and it had to do with emotions. had to do with heat of the moment. You can't. So I guess my thing is, and, and by the way, are you seeing the debate from the Saskatchewan side where people are saying, what did Zach say to him? Zach provoked him. Yeah, that's the stupidest thing. That's the dumbest I, yeah, thing. I have heard that. Somebody yeah. asked me that. I went on a writer's pod last night and, excuse me, and they said, well, many are saying that Zach must have said something to him. So? Yeah. Dude, guys were talking shit in that game probably from an hour before kickoff throughout it. Um, Listen, that's just, that is as as dumb and something that hurts your team. I mean, you can say what you want about firing up the bad blood and taking a shot at the back-to-back MOP and all that. I mean, listen, if you can do it within, within the play, absolutely. It's professional football. Um but I mean, it was just, I, it was, it was so late. It was, it was illegal in every single, and I mean, you're taking a shot. Like imagine if that happened to Patrick Mahomes in, you know, you got your back-to-back MVP and some guy goes and does that. He's going to get suspended. I mean, listen, if it happened to a punter or something later on, does he? Probably not. I, I, I wasn't sure whether he was going to get suspended, but I think you're very much correct in that it, well, first of all, it's such a glaring, egregious foul. And there was so much of a spotlight on it. And everyone knew this was going to be a huge topic all week. I think it's probably the right thing to do if you want to send a message that that sort of BS is not welcome. But if it was just a fine, and I'm sure there's been similar instances in the past where it has been fined, uh, consistency on those sort of things for a lot of these professional leagues, not just the CFL, not always what I think people would like. But for me, I mean, regardless of how they handled it, to me, it was just the dumbest play. It was such a gift-wrapped present for the Blue Bombers. It makes that loss that much more frustrating that they didn't really take advantage of it and ended up winning the game. Well, and that's where I got the Bomber fans going. And quite frankly, since I'm on Winnipeg Sports Talk, I'll tell you, I just felt it had been too quiet around here, so I kicked the hornet's nest. <laughs> uh on whatever it was, Sunday night or Monday morning, about how the Bomber fans and media are acting like the headbutt somehow cost them the game. I saw Jeff Hamilton's statement or tweet about Randy Ambrosi, uh, sorry, uh, Wade Miller, 
the president of the Bombers, and this is what he thinks about the headbutt. And I'm like, why don't we ask Wade Miller what he thinks about conceding that rouge late in the game that gave Sass the chance to tie? What did he think about Zach Caleros' inaccuracy? What, you know, that's not why – let's not deflect what's gone on here. But, you know, you and I have been around a long time. And, you know, when you talk about the egregious nature, 20 years ago, bro – Mike Sellers, Kahari Jones, Nelon Green, Nate Davis. It was happening every play. So, I mean, maybe it's egregious in 2023, but it wasn't in 2003. Right? And uh, so they're, so they're, making, they're, they're protecting the players and quarterbacks more than they were then. So, yes, but that's how I couldn't predict how this was going to go down. And, by the way, I don't criticize Darren Hackwood, the officiating director, or Randy when it comes to football. Stats, marketing, other things, sure. But they know football. So I think they, I think they got it right here. I, I will say this though, the fact that not one of the officials on the field threw the flag when it happened was maybe the most embarrassing part of the entire ordeal. Hey, how do you explain that? <laughs> you don't. It was that late that they were weren't looking. I mean that that literally is the, is the only thing I could possibly imagine. But even still. I mean, this isn't like the NHL where there's just two refs on the field. I mean, <laughs> that was... Well, and I want to also point something. I'm just, I'm enjoying the back and forth. And if I have both fan bases mad at me, I'll be the happiest guy in the world. <laughs> kind of like a referee. I know how you I work. See, well, I see people saying that Zach flopped. I'm like, Zach doesn't dive. I've known Zach a long time, and I know what he's like. He didn't die. So, like, just stop it, man. The stuff that's coming out of Saskatchewan is as ridiculous as some of the stuff I see coming out of Winnipeg. But the good thing is that they care. That's the best part of all of this. Uh, it was a uh, it was a great Labor Day weekend, especially those two games in the West. I mean, we had this one that we'll be talking about all week long, setting up a rematch in what I don't think there's any question will be the most charged atmosphere of the regular season, um, you know, coming up on Saturday afternoon. And then last night, I mean, the Elks, the Elks have a little bit of life. Obviously, they ended up finding another way to lose at the end, but credit to Calgary for getting it together. I mean, that was another, just a dandy game last night, Rod. And uh, tell you what, it's uh, it was a great weekend for the Canadian Football League, and I cannot wait for Super Saturday coming up with three games back-to-back with the Banjo Bowl right in the middle. Oh, yeah, for sure. Well, I, listen, Calgary really, really needed that game. And to be honest, Four and eight isn't a lot different than three and nine. It's really not. And it's not like they were ever going to fire Dave Dickinson. But were we not sitting there watching that game going, Jake Mayer doesn't have it. He does not have it. They screwed up by letting Bo go. And then all of a sudden, he just catches fire in the fourth quarter. And I don't know what overtook the guy. But I just I just have – because I spent all summer in Calgary and a lot of the spring. And the talk around there is that Dave Dickinson's no huff. And to be honest, I don't think he is. But you can't tell me that John Huffnagel didn't have a huge say in that decision to change from Bo Levi and to hand the keys to Jake Mayer. And uh, the guy just didn't look good. I mean, he lead, lead, still leads the league in interceptions, Jake Mayer. And had they lost that game to Edmonton, I don't know what they were going to do. They had a full stadium. It looked great, save for the smoke and the weather conditions, which isn't anybody's fault. They, they really needed that game. And had Edmonton won three in a row, us, that just doesn't make – nobody would believe that script. That's not believable. You know, we got to uh, – you know, to go from 0-9 to win three in a row and surpass Calgary, video games don't do that. So I think the, the right – 
outcome happened. It was that was a great game too. Yeah, it sure was. Um, back to the Riders for a minute, just before we go. Is Dolly Gala the guy? Well, he sure seems to be. Yeah, and I mean, we didn't know anything about the guy, hardly at all. I mean, you got to defer to those that cover camp, and we didn't see much of him. Um, but he looks very poised, doesn't he? Zip on the ball. And a lot of it, listen, it's the new era, Andrew. We'll talk about it another day, you and I, on this show. But you kind of need to like the guy that you go to work with and for. And from what I understand, Dola Gal is very popular in the locker room, very charming. It's not like it used to be. I can tell you stories of the riders and hockey teams that the, you might hate. That you, you used to hear it, right? You may not like the guy next to you, but you got to go play with him. That's not the way it is anymore. They like Dola Gala, which they, apparently they do. They're playing for the guy. It's the way it is now. Yeah, well, quarter, I would say quarterback in that, to your point, is a little different than a lot of others. You can have a D lineman that everyone thinks is an asshole or whatever, but if he's getting after the quarterback, you can handle it. The quarterback, uh, in a lot of ways, is sort of the CEO, if you will, yes. of the – and 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 that I think there is more importance on you know really being a leader and having guys want to be led by you and uh, listen from all accounts he's had a, a a pretty nice start. You do wonder what the hell they were doing with him on the bench all that time. They were struggling after Harris got hurt with Mason Fine. Well, uh, because I think that you come out of training camp and you go through all this work and all these yeah. reps in training camp and preseason for a reason to set your depth. Right. And I don't think they wanted to go off that. But just, you know, back to that thing about the quarterbacks, you should hear the stories I hear about Dan Marino down here and not just from people in South Florida, his former teammates. They didn't like the guy and they still don't like the guy. There's a lot of guys that don't like Ken Austin. You know what I'm saying? I I still believe it's different now. You got to like that guy in the huddle. And you never used to. Yeah. Still, still mm-hmm. some dolphins that are pissed off. They didn't get a pair of isotoners as well. Just the, uh, just the linemen. He's right. Uh, <laughs> Rod, listen, this is going to be a lot of fun. Uh, it's certainly given us a lot to talk about heading into Saturday. I'll look forward to jumping on with you tomorrow on the RP show. Thanks so much for doing this, and uh, get ready for what should be an absolute doozy on Saturday PM. Thanks for having me, Huss. See you tomorrow. You got it. There is uh, Rod Peterson RP show. I'll be jumping on with Rod tomorrow in and around, uh, I think, 1120 uh, Winnipeg time if you want to check that out. All right, we're going to have Dustin Nielsen come on who called the game for TSN, and then we'll bring in Jeff Hamilton uh, a little bit later on. Uh, Folks, if you're looking for great prices on natural and organic supplements, beauty products, and groceries, you can shop at any of six Vita Health Fresh Market stores or online at myvita.ca with same-day local delivery. And in fact, right now, you can get free local delivery when you place an order online. When checking out, just use the discount local ship, all one word, local ship. More details are on the website. And uh, of course, when you're shopping at Vita Health, you're supporting a great sponsor of ours and a great local company, family-owned and operated since 1936 with Winnipeg's large assortment of local products too. Vita Health Fresh Market, empowering people to lead healthy lives, six Winnipeg locations, and online at myvita.ca. Well, gang, Wallace and Wallace have had a very busy summer, and uh, that ain't stopping heading into the fall as Wallace & Wallace is Winnipeg's fencing and overhead door specialists. If your property needs the security and protection of a new fence, they've got you covered. Vinyl, ornamental, welded wire, chain link, or wood. And of course, 
all makes and models of temporary fencing as well if you've got an event coming up this fall. And as far as your house goes, if you need to replace your garage door, head on over to Wallace & Wallace for Winnipeg's largest selection of overhead garage doors. In fact, the easiest way is to give them a call at 452-2700. The Wallace & Wallace team will arrange a time to come out and give you a free estimate. You can also visit them online at wallacefences.com and wallacedoors.com or pop down to their showroom on Lawson Crescent off of Keniston. Fellas, Labor Day's behind us. How's the closet looking? If you need to up your menswear game right now as we get into fall, you need to get on down to F Apparel, the leading spot for menswear here in the city of Winnipeg. Custom suits beginning at 400 bucks, along with chinos, golf pants, custom shirts, both tucked and untucked styles, and an incredible selection of menswear accessories. It's all there for you right now. Make an appointment and find out more online at F, that's ephapparel.com. And if you are involved in a wedding coming up this year or next, talk to the fellas about a 15% discount when the guys get their suits over at F Apparel. And uh, big shout out to our friends Nick and Nikki. Uh, listen, you were cranking about, they were, they were stressing the ice cream machines at DQ on the weekend with that record heat. Um, a little nicer, a little calmer today, but it's still a great time to get in and jump on those summer blizzard flavors while they're here, those delicious stack burgers and more. And for our WST listeners out in Niverville, the uh, new Pita Pit is open, run by our friends Nick and Nikki. They're right now healthy, fresh, on the go, phenomenal catering as well. Pop by and see them today. Tell them... Uh, Winnipeg Sports Talk sent you, and you can hit them up on X or Twitter for more information on catering options at Pita Pit Niverville. All right, Jeff Hamilton coming up in about 15, but right now let's welcome in Dustin Nielsen, who called the Labor Day Classic for his thoughts on the game and a look ahead to the Banjo Bowl. All right, let's bring in Dustin Nielsen, who had quite a Labor Day weekend. Uh, it's going to have a pretty big week coming up, too. How are you, my friend? I'm busy, Huss. That's what I am. <laughs> I'm very say. busy. You yeah, I, I drove back last night after the game from Calgary to Edmonton, which wasn't bad. I was home by like, I don't know, 1130. But uh, back up in the office grinding again today and getting ready for a banjo bowl this weekend, too. Well, no doubt. Hey, listen, just before we get to the game on the weekend, the upcoming banjo bowl um, tomorrow morning. You and the fellas back in the game, back in the saddle with the official launch of Edmonton Sports Talk. Of course, people that remember Dusty's show, uh, along with Lieutenant Eric on TSN 1260. Uh, they're staying in the morning, 6 a.m., which I guess is 7 here in Winnipeg. The boys are back. Uh, what's, the, what's the vibe like around ESTHQ right now, and uh, how are you feeling about getting back at it? It's busy, man. Not going to lie. I mean... <laughs> Pretty, pretty, pretty good buzz for sure. And I think everything's going to come together today. So we'll be good to go tomorrow morning. But yeah, we'll be streaming live on YouTube. And then uh, we're basically launching, a, you know, an Edmonton online sports radio station. We'll be going 24 uh, seven. There'll be some replays of some of our original content. And then we're mixing in and tying in some deals with other local podcasts to play their content on our uh, online station as well. So uh, our show will be back tomorrow morning from six until nine. You'll be able to listen to it static free online. You'll be able to log on from the United States. You got the text line going again. It's going to be uh, it's going to be fun. We put a lot of work into this and uh, you know, I hope within like 12 to 18 months, we, you know, we have like an afternoon show, maybe an evening show. We're already going to have pre and post game shows for the Oilers. We're going to add pre and post for the Elks next year as well. There's a lot of stuff coming down the pipeline. So uh, 
Uh, it's 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 stressful. I'm not going to lie. It's stressful. Probably could have used the extra time here in the office this weekend, but uh, uh, it was good to get out on the road again, too. Well, I'm uh, I'm excited for it, and obviously we uh, at Winnipeg Sports Talk wish you all the best of luck with Edmonton Sports Talk. I think it's going to be a big hit. Um, is is Lieutenant Eric going to come in clean shaven with a haircut, maybe in a three piece suit now, or uh, no chance? Probably not. <laughs> no, hey, the independent way. If there was ever a chance of that, yeah. that left the that left the building yeah. uh, a gone. few months ago. If the if the corporate company couldn't change that. Edmonton Sports Talk ain't changing it either. So it should be uh and look, it's gonna it's gonna be interesting doing the show on video. Like we've always had so much fun. We've always done a lot of bits that were like, oh man, that'd be funny if people could watch it. So uh there will be a, a Tales of the North to welcome everybody to Edmonton Sports Talk tomorrow morning too. So oh, be yes. ready for that. Yeah, it should be good. <laughs> um man, what a weekend. We got a couple of games. Um we gotta start off with the Labor Day Classic. I mean, you know, we've talked about it and we'll probably continue to talk about this entire game. Um, you know, a really pedestrian start for the Bomber offense, I thought, was a big, big part of it. Special teams, which is normally a real strength of Winnipeg. I mean, I thought both kickers were really good, but when you have that much of a difference in return yards from one team to another in a tight game, that's a big factor. And um, uh, at the end of the day, it came down to a couple of, I thought, decisions uh, and then execution when it came to a two-pointer. That being said, an absolutely classic Labor Day classic. And man, does it set up uh, a lot of anticipation and bad blood Ooh. for the Banjo Bowl. Oh, Banjo Bowl is going to be a good one. And I think this last game was absolutely phenomenal. Huge win for the Riders, man. I was, I was stunned you know, midway through that second quarter looking at Zach's numbers. And it wasn't even like he was throwing the ball a ton. They just really weren't doing anything yeah it was it. a zero yeah yeah it was it was a zero he he was he had zero passes completed and then he had a little sort of pitch ahead to Dembski which counted as one then he had the drive three completions 100 yards you know kind of got going there but the fact that there was nothing basically from that Winnipeg offense Winnipeg offense that's their best in 20 years or whatever um that was that was pretty surprising to start the game and then you know this Dola Gala man like you know, I, I know it's just a couple of games in. Same thing with Trey Ford here in Edmonton, but he just has a good presence in the pocket. Like maybe it, maybe I know a lot of people said, "Oh, tall quarterbacks can't really have success in this league," and there's not a history of a lot of them. But to me, he's kind of got a bit of an advantage with how big that dude is in the pocket and the fact that he doesn't panic. And I think, you know, the way that he drove some of those drives late in that football game made it obviously made a huge difference. And uh, it was just, I mean, it was it was so good. What a football game. Uh, um, you know, I will say this. I think this incident that we'll get to is maybe, uh, listen, Pete Robertson, one of the stupidest plays I've ever seen in professional football. Stupid anytime, but considering yeah. where that game was at and they had just gotten the offense off the field to tie it, to, to kick a field goal. I mean, an unconscionable lack of discipline um, by the player. Um, and obviously now suspended for it. Um, I mean, what are you? What, what was your reaction in real time uh, to that? And, and, and I mean, listen, I don't know. The refs taking a shit. Uh, how nobody saw it and threw a flag is another thing that I will yeah. never be able to understand. But uh, how did you see all that, and what did you think of the uh, repercussions? That was probably the first time all year I had to not say what I was thinking. You know, like usually I just blurt whatever is coming out of my my brain. I'm yelling and screaming and and excited about it because I, I mean, there was a few choice words I would have had for Robertson in that situation. Cause I was, 
to me, it was just one of the boneheaded plays that you'll ever see. When you when you combine Labor Day Classic game, your team just got a huge stop, and it, it would have been one of the stupidest plays in league history, right? They managed to come back and win that football game, but I have no idea what he was thinking. I think anybody trying to justify it is really stretching. I see a few people being like, well, this and that. All I need to say is show me a video of a guy head-butting a quarterback well after the play and use that as a comparable. Oh, wait, there isn't a comparable for that because it doesn't happen? Well, then stop with trying to justify this thing. It's ridiculous. Of course he should have been suspended. I was still surprised the league moved on it so quickly. If there's any sort of appeal, it's a horrible look for the PA because then you're not protecting Zach Kolaris. Um, and the, the, the thing that I find most crazy about it is Robertson's a phenomenal player. Like, Robertson doesn't need something like that. I think he's one of the best defensive ends in the entire league. So it was weird because earlier in the broadcast, we were talking about uh, how disciplined the Riders had been this year. And they have been. Like, them and the Bombers are two of the less pen- least penalized teams in the entire league. And then he goes and does that. You even saw Micah Johnson. When Micah Johnson saw it, he's like, what are you oh, doing? That was the funniest part of the entire thing. Yeah. They just got the offense off the field, and literally, you know exactly what he was saying there. What the F are you yeah. doing, man? I just, I, I, don't, I don't know. Obviously, he wasn't thinking, because that was he is so lucky they ended up winning that football game, because if not, I mean, that, that's one of those moments where if you blow it in that situation, things can unravel from there as a team if you don't bounce back and win that football game, right? So... Uh, it'll be a big loss for sure with the one game suspension, but it still sets the stage very nicely for the uh, Bombers and Riders. Now, one of the things that um, we're going to get into a little bit more with Jeff Hamilton, but I brought up earlier on the program that I have to get out. I'm interested in your thoughts and what you and Suits were saying in the uh, in the booth. And listen, I'm not in the business of second guessing Mike O'Shea week in and week out. Um, he has already put together a Hall of Fame career. He's established this team as the standard in the CFL. We could go on and on. However, even the best make mistakes. And I, I, I was stunned. I, in fact, when they decided to give up that single point and take the, uh, take the point, like there was just another, that was another stupid play by Saskatchewan that was a gift to the Bombers, if you asked me. I mean, giving up a point for the difference of 10 yards at that point in the game with that score made no sense to me. And, I mean, in retrospect, I think it came back to back to hurt them. I, Dusty, I was actually questioning myself if I was remembering yeah. the rule wrong. I'm yeah. like, wait so, a second, do they have to take it on the 15-yard line? Is it just 15 yards from the goal line? And we're talking about a 25, I mean, 10 yards. And uh, as I said, how how did you guys see that? Well, when it first happened, I kind of, you know, we went to break and in the break, I was like, huh, like that's a huge point. That's a big time point. And even after the game, we were talking about it in that, you know, we saw it. Remember CJ Sims with Edmonton, right? And, you know, obviously not being coached up properly. I just have such a hard time believing that there was, there was an error from a experienced coaching staff. So, so to me, they've, they've probably coached Parker. Now Parker's in and out of the lineup, right? He's, he's not an everyday guy to return these types of kicks McCray was out there to do the next one so obviously they may have changed things there but I feel like they've coached them up at certain times but in that situation maybe nobody mentioned to him hey man like probably don't want to give up the single especially when you're the bombers and you have this Brady Oliveira who can just pound the rock down their throat anyway um, the last thing you want to do is give the team an opportunity to to you know to tie the game with a field goal so I was um, 
I was rather surprised by that because he could have, like, I went back, he could have caught it at the four, right? It bounced at the four. So he could have well, that one too. I, 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 I'm specifically talking about the no yards in the end zone penalty that they oh, decided. The no- yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, we're talking yeah. about the difference of 10 yards for a point. Yeah. Um, and that, I mean, let's face it, that's a. That's a crucial point in a tough game like that. I mean, yeah. it could be nitpicking afterwards, but like I, I did a podcast in Saskatchewan yesterday and I said, you know, the best way to, to to figure this out, if people on the other side are feeling the same way, what did you think when the riders got that point and it was only costing 10 yards? I said, well, this was, that was, that was great. Um, and listen, O'Shea himself said, you know, looking back, maybe he would do that one differently. I mean, it's not, it's not like that one single point ended up costing them the game. Oh, and listen, if it was a 14-point game, it doesn't matter. Um, but, uh, and yeah, here's your seed. Yeah, here it is, yeah. Them. Bounce at the four, but rolls again, into no the But no reason to get a no yards penalty. Okay, that, that was the one that they went down. It was the other one that they got the no yards. Yeah, that was the one I was just talking about right there because that, yeah. that made it a three-point game, right? And then, yeah. Yeah, interesting. I mean, I don't know. Maybe it's just a moment always. It's just such a big moment, right? Not yeah. thinking straight maybe in some and having never had the opportunity to be down on the sideline in that moment of that type of football game. But uh, I, I would think a different decision is made next time around. And uh, hey, how about Zach's post game, too? Dude, hey, Jeff Hamilton's coming up on the program. Yeah, I was, was going right to say, when the, you uh, mentioned Hamilton, I was just like, oh, that's going to be good. He, uh, hey, he was hot. I mean, he was he was pissed off for two reasons. I think, obviously, for a guy that's had head, uh, you know, hits to the head like that before. Um, you know, for it to be such a cheap shot late after the play, I mean, not even a football play at all. I understand why he was mad, but I think he was also very mad about the performance of the offense overall and uh, and him in that, you know, listen, they got it together in the second half, but I mean, that was an eminently winnable game. And when a team does something as stupid as Pete Robertson did to give you that opportunity of essentially a free four points, uh, you gotta, you gotta make that happen. You gotta make it, um, you know, work. Oh, and now, there it is. Again. I just can't I believe. Mean... I don't know what. Like he, he, he it wasn't even like he was through. He stops. He turns. He watches the ball drop incomplete right here. Look, he turns. Hey, walk away, man. You're about to win this game. Turns around and headbutts the quarterback. Of course, he was suspended for a game. The best, was... the best Saskatchewan theory I've heard is like Zach obviously said something to him. Doesn't matter. <laughs> it's just like what could possibly justify that? And there wasn't a lot yeah. of time to do it. Uh, just an absolutely moronic, moronic play. We're going to get to more of that on the game and look ahead to the banjo bowl. But atmosphere. Um, what was? Uh, where did was that good. one rank for the games that you've called? It was right up there. I mean, sold out mosaic. It was. It was right up there. Now, like IG Field's going to be really good <laughs> this weekend too. Uh, and even even yeah. You know, it's tough, but when the Elks won that game at home to snap the 22-game slide, pretty good little buzz there that day as well. But, uh, yeah, it was when when that ball fell incomplete on the two-point conversion or was deflected there by Jackson Ford, um, Mosaic erupted. It was, it was pretty cool to be standing there, buddy. I can tell you there's not very many. I, this is, I've never seen this before. Sold-out game, secondary market. Get in price cheapest ticket on the board, one hundred and thirteen bucks for the banjo bowl, right? No now. way. Okay, and that's significantly up from. I've been kind of paying attention to this for the past week or so, and you know what that means? There's a lot of rider fans that all of a sudden are like, you know what? 
we got one in, let's make the trip and do what we got to do to get in there. So, uh, man, it should be great. Just quickly, you saw another thriller last night. Um, yeah. Calgary and Edmonton going at it. Um, so what a fun football game that was. Great game, too. I mean, I'm just treated to two wonderful CFL games. Trey Ford is, he's a freak. Like, he's a freak. If he stays he like healthy, Michael man, Vick on a few yeah, of those yeah. plays last night. It, if he stays healthy, he's going to do some special things with his with his legs, and he's not a bad passer either. I mean, he went over three hundred, extremely accurate a couple of a couple of games ago. Uh, you know, Calgary I thought brought some pressure yesterday that forced him out of the pocket. But when he when he gets forced out of the pocket, it's not a bad thing. I mean, the guy is absolutely terrific once he gets out there. That one run when they forced him back like twenty yards, and then he spun around, came up the right side, cut it back all the way around to the far forty. Uh, you know, he was he was brilliant, but. You know, I give Jake Mayer a ton of credit. I mean, they finished extremely strong. 22 points in the fourth quarter. And this was a team which surprised me a little bit. But late in the second quarter, they were booed off the field. That offense was booed off the field. McMahon crowd, it was a good one. Um, they were not happy. So for them to do what they did in the fourth quarter, their last four drives of that football game were a field goal followed by three consecutive touchdowns. And, uh, you know, for Edmonton, a team that, you know, prior to the coaching, the offensive coordinator change and the quarterback change, they had had trouble scoring. Um, not the case anymore. This is an offense who puts up enough points to get the job done. It was just their defense that literally could not get off the field in the fourth quarter yesterday. Um, dude, listen, uh, this is going to be a lot of fun. Uh, the game on Saturday is going to be incredible. A triple header on TSN, one of my favorite days of the year. So you are coming here to the peg for Banjo Bowl? Yeah, I'm doing Banjo Bowl, yeah. That's nice, that's nice. Yeah. They give you the big game. That is that is exactly <laughs> the way that it should be. Um, so it should be good. And then, of course, tomorrow on Edmonton Sports Talk, we should mention, I know there's a lot of people that watched this program that also enjoy uh, our uh, lock shop. Yeah. And the lock shop now is going to be um, pretty much at a regular time. I guess uh, noon Winnipeg time, 11, uh, 11 in Edmonton. Um, and we'll have it right now on the Edmonton Sports Talk Station and see if we can uh, maybe bring that over here at some point. But um, Which would be great. Yeah. It's going to be fun. To, it's going to be definitely fun to get things going um, with you. Not that we've really stopped at all, but um, Toro. <laughs> Take it the, to another level, buddy. Take with, it to another with level. With the new right? station. So listen, um, uh, all the best to you, Maddie, Gaz, and of course, LTE. And uh, we'll look forward to catching up in the lock shop uh, tomorrow on another first day of Edmonton Sports Talk. Sounds good, buddy. We'll talk to you then, man. Thanks for having Thanks. me. Thanks, Dusty. All right. Great stuff from Dusty and a big good luck to he and the fellas tomorrow with the launch of Edmonton Sports Talk out in Edmonton. All right, we're talking a lot of bombers today. Of course, our bomber reports brought to you by Princess Auto, proud sponsors of the Blue and Gold, and your boys on WST. And Princess Auto is the place where you'll find the best deals on the most unique assortment of tools and equipment around. Everything you need to complete the projects on your list or start something new is at Princess Auto. Pop by and see them in-store today at one of two Winnipeg locations, Panet Road and Portage Avenue West, or you can shop online 24-7-365 at princessauto.com. Uh, of course, our friends at Consolidated Supply have had a banger summer, uh, but continue to grind because of all the different things they can do for you, your property, or your business. Consolidated Supply are the leaders in irrigation systems, artificial turf, golf carts, uh, but not just golf carts that you'd see at the course. A number of vehicles that have uh, incredible industrial use, 
talk to the guys if you need uh, maybe something to transport around a large work site. Not to mention other great options for your property, including hot tubs and amazing outdoor kitchens. And hey, 12 months of the year, they are the leaders in small engine parts and repair. Pop down and see Consolidated Supply at their showroom, open to the public, 1395 Niaqua Road East, or find out more online at cte.ca. Well, there's a uh, Royal Sports is going to be a busy place this week because many of you are going to need to upgrade your blue just in time to fill IG Field on Saturday afternoon. And Royal Sports has an incredible selection of bomber gear, including many exclusives that you won't find anywhere else. Jets season right around the corner is your number one spot for Jets merchandise. And of course, NFL kickoff on Thursday. All 32 teams represented at Royal Sports. Get on down there and get ready for NFL kickoff as well. And, of course, hockey season as Royal Sports is, for 40 years, the leader in hockey equipment, skates, sticks, goalie equipment, you name it. They've got it all there. One stop is all you need to make. 750 Pemina Highway at Winnipeg Sports Superstore, Royal Sports. And, uh, hey, Monday night football begins six days from now. We've got a Thursday nighter with the Chiefs and Lions on Thursday. Full day of CFL on Saturday and NFL Sunday coming up for the first time this season. No better place to get together with the gang and watch the big game than your local Boston pizza. Ice cold schooners, world famous BP wings, gourmet pizzas, and the latest from the BP feature menu, including their... Uh, Burger Week offerings. Get on down to BP today for the big game. And, of course, if you're staying at home, you can always get the great taste of Boston pizza by ordering online at bostonpizza.com. All right, let's bring in Jeff Hamilton, who, of course, was covering the Labor Day Classic in Regina for the Winnipeg Free Press and was right there after the game with Zach Calero says, mad, as I think we may have ever seen him. Hammer, what is up? How was the weekend in Regina? Here I am, Huss. I'm still standing or sitting, I guess, right now. But I can I can tell you uh, unequivocally, I was standing earlier before this. Uh, so yeah, good good weekend. Obviously, um, always a always a fun weekend in Regina. Maybe the only fun weekend in Regina over the year. Um, happy to report that. Well, maybe not what it used to be like 15 years ago or so. It got back to kind of pre-COVID excitement. Lots of Winnipeg fans made the trip out. You could definitely see the bomber presence there this year. Uh, and what a what a what a way to wrap things up with, you know. I don't think you could have scripted a better game, a, a juicier game, especially for the rematch this week. So I think you know the Labor Day Classic, as cliche as it sounds, certainly lived up to its uh, lived up to its name. Now, uh, listen, there's a lot to dive into for the game and the Banjo Bowl, but we may as well start with the play that made the most headlines, and that was the. Pete Robertson cheap shot on Zach Caleros that ended up getting him a one-game suspension. Um, we played it a little earlier today, but take us. I mean, you've been in hundreds of bomber scrums, thousands probably. Um, how out of character was Zach Caleros post-game? Um, and how did you see that exchange um, going back and forth? Because it seemed to be a guy that was very pissed off about a number of things, uh, both the hit as well as the way the uh, offense uh, played over the course of the LDC. 
Well, it's an interesting way you asked that question, how out of character, because to be honest with you, I don't know if it was truly out of character. I mean, Zach Claris is, a, you know, he's not a, you know, he, he is a laid back guy in a lot of respects. He's definitely got a chill element to him. There's no doubt about it. But when it comes to playing football and, and the game that he loves and is passionate about and has dedicated his life to, he has a lot of opinions a lot of which come with with anger i mean if you've ever seen you know some of his scrums he always jokes about it whether it makes the camera he's always angry right he, he was angry about those two pick sixes and, and and not so jokingly said that he you know when i challenged him on his first answer this is this this was a scrum earlier in the week before the game was talking about how he, you know he made the quip that he's angry about everything and he's always frustrated and it lives with them so i just think this in this sense it was it was a combination of like, as you know, what you alluded to the ineffectiveness of, of the offense in a, in a very big game, you know, they, they really liked their, their practice week. They thought it was, they thought it was, uh, you know, up to par, they, they pumping in music. They felt ready, right. They were confident. They were playing some of their best football. And unfortunately their, their trend of sleepy starts continued. And unlike the last four games or so, they were unable to come up with enough late game heroics. Now they almost did. Um, but just couldn't get the job done. So, you know, for him to come out, I, you know, I could see him right away. He was, you know, you knew he was livid. I mean, anyone who watched the game certainly saw how livid he was on the sidelines. You know, he had players kind of holding him back. He was getting in the ref's ear. So it was just natural, of course, for me to ask about it. And that, of course, anyone who's seen the, anyone who's seen the clip, it's about, I don't even know if it's 30 seconds long, but, um, you know, he went off, you know, he kind of spit fire about the league and what they were going to do about it. And was clearly, while he was clearly unhappy about his offense, and rightfully so, you knew he, what he wanted to get off his chest was a message to the league. And that's not surprising either. I know this is the, the, the answer that's going on and on, but the last thing about it is he's, he's been critical of the way the league has handled or not, or not protected the quarterbacks. He was, he was vocal about it earlier this season when he got injured in Edmonton on what, you know, I think you could certainly argue, maybe not ill-intended or, or, you know, bad intentions, but certainly a late hit. And then obviously, uh, you know, how vocal he was over the Masoli injury last year. I mean, he spit fire over that as well. Maybe not as emotional, but certainly as, as direct in, in his message. You know, I, I mean, listen, I totally understand where Zach was coming from. And I have a lot of empathy for the way he had to feel after, you know, being cheap shotted the way that he was and obviously the way the game turned out. The one thing that I'll take exception with Zach is saying that that stuff happens all the time. Like, listen, there's a lot of stuff that's borderline, I'm sure, that happens all the time. This play was so over the line that, I mean, you don't often see something that egregious and that dumb when it comes down to it because, I mean, of the timing of the game. Uh, I mean, this was basically handling handing the Bombers four points at a crucial point in the fourth quarter. And honestly, I would imagine that a good portion of the anger coming out of the Winnipeg locker room afterwards was the fact that they didn't take advantage of that gift-wrapped opportunity um, of one of the dumbest plays you will ever see in pro sports and made them pay on the scoreboard at the end of the game. Oh, there's absolutely no doubt about it. And it's more than a fair enough question to ask, what would the mood have been? What would that scrum have looked like had they won the game? Because I think that's the part where you're really kicking yourself, right? You're kicking yourself is because, I mean, you thought that that was a big storyline after the game. It would have been easily even more so the lead had the Bombers capitalized on it. And, you know, the, the riders, you know, completely trip over themselves with a, 
with the uncharacteristic, as uh, as Dustin Nielsen was saying in your earlier segment, um, you know, what has usually been a disciplined team, which is somewhat surprising because Craig Dickinson's team was anything but last year. But I think that's the big difference, not to transition, but that's a big difference in Saskatchewan is, you know, and what I asked Craig Dickinson, you know, on, on a couple different questions this weekend was it looked like it, it's a much different team. It's a much more composed, much more, um, I don't even know what the, like higher character, if you'll go as far as being as damning as that, more as that makes sense. More professional, certainly. That's probably the perfect word. And so, you know, I think that's that's kind of the difference. And so when you saw, you know, Micah Johnson flying up his arms, being like pretty much doing the the the, the physical version of WTF, uh, you know, was like you knew it was it was just a guy that got caught up in the moment and and just did something absolutely ridiculous. I mean, you don't see, and I'll, you know, I I was I happened to catch Dusty's hit before, and I just didn't want to sound like a broken record, but a lot of the same stuff. Um, you know, a lot of the same stuff he was saying, uh, you know, I was thinking, I'm sure a lot of us are thinking is that a headbutt at that point after the play, like, I know fans are going to get into it. I know there's going to be debates. I know depending on what side you live on, you know, you're, you're going to have a different take on it. But the fact of the matter is you just don't see players after the play go up and headbutt them. And, and I think that's why you saw such I mean, you might want, you know, if you're a Bomber fan, you might think he deserves more than, than one game. And I think there's an argument to be said just because you don't see headbutting. If you want to send a message, uh, you probably want to send a bigger one than one game. But I, I, I think there's no coincidence on how quick the league was to act because usually they, they drag their feet on this one. And, and unfortunately, for those who don't like the, the one game, it's, it's, the, it's kind of one of those things I imagine where it's, it's one game, it's not more. So you, yeah, you lose your paycheck for that week. Um, but it's not big enough for the PA to the PA to go, you know, to grieve it because the last thing you want is, is the players association, you know, going, going to bat for a guy who headbutted uh, the reigning two time MOP. So I think this is an easy one that the league and the PA well, I wanted to ask and, and they go that. tell them, Hey, just, just eat this one. I, I wanted to ask you that. Is that settled? I mean, there's it's, no appeal, I, or if there think, is an appeal, so I it think would we'll happen find, beforehand? Sorry, Huss. I think we'll find that out, uh, like, you know, when, when they get like, – I don't think that's something that they're – you know, it might be a statement that they have that, they, that they're not going to appeal. I think he's up – I don't know exactly how that process is. I mean, everybody – the PA works for everybody and it's supposed to work for everybody equally, but I just don't think with all the attention it's already got that it's – that it's good for the league and it's good for the riders. Like the riders are building momentum right now. The last thing they need to be is the, you know, is Craig Dickinson, you know, once again, kind of put his foot in his mouth after the games thinking it was not that bad, but then saying he didn't see it. So like, you know, just stop the circus from re, you know, revisiting, revisiting Regina and just take the one game suspension. You didn't get kicked out of the game. It didn't cost you the game. So, you know, I think it's easier it's easier, easier to just, you know, for lack of a better term, swallow it because that's that's essentially what, you know, and, and that would be the CFL strategy. They, they, they want the path of, you know, they want to dole out punishment, but they want the path of least resistance when it comes to the potential of, of appealing it. That was the case with the Garrett Marino situation. Like, you know, they, they love to come out and say this was the biggest CFL suspension in league history and, and, you know, how they brought the hammer down, but there was a reason why, with the four game suspension, they came out and said, okay, well, this is one game for this, you know, for the, you know, the comments, this is two games for the action and one for the, you know, the disgraceful behavior of, 
of, you know, what, what Marino did on his way out. So you couldn't really argue with the four game suspension. Um, so it, it's just, again, it's just a strategy to, to try to get the media circus down because it's already going to be already going to be a, a, a topic of conversation all week leading up to the rematch. The last thing that this, the league wants, and I would argue Saskatchewan should want is to have this linger into weeks later down the road as, as they continue to, uh, you know, to grieve this, grieve this penalty, this one game penalty. Yeah. So listen, I mean, the, the headbutt took a lot of the headlines, but there was so much more to get to in this football game. And I mean, listen, talk about how poor the bomber offense was, particularly the passing offense was with the exception of that one drive, which was a beauty uh, in the first half. Um, but I mean, to me, this was missed opportunities for, uh, for the bombers. And I brought this up with dusty uh, Jeff, but, um, what were, what were people thinking around media row when the bombers decided to give up that point that put them down three to gain 10 yards of offense? Um, you know, in such a close game, I was, I was stunned on that, divi- divi- uh, that decision. And as I mentioned, I had to rethink, like, am I not understanding the rules, right? Like, would they be taking this on the 15 yard line? And I guess you or you or somebody asked O'Shea after that. And I think there was a, you know, an acknowledgement that maybe looking back at then that was the key because I mean, the last one that went in, it was very difficult. Listen, you need to be able to catch that thing on the fly and not get it in there, but he didn't have much choice. They were given the choice on another dumb penalty from Saskatchewan. And I think that decision sort of let them off the hook. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, that that was. Uh, I mean, that's not even to take into consideration that special teams in in other areas are a mess, including you know the return game and stopping. You know, the coverage, the punt yeah. coverage team. Those are those are disarray. So this just adds to a bit of a of a growing narrative over the last few weeks with special teams in this club, which is you know surprising for a Mike O'Shea led team, but not surprising at the same time when you consider guys like Mike Miller and Shane Gauthier out of the lineup. So. It's not all that surprising either uh, to, you know, mainstays there. But to, to back to your original point with the kicks, it's interesting because they, they happen very close to each other. It's the previous series before the, the, the next punt. So the first one, it, you know, I don't think the time makes sense for either. But the first one, let's go to the second one first. Um, being down three points, like, like making it a three-point game instead of four-point game, like I don't know why you don't – field that and try to get it out and lean on a prolific offense, right? Um, Jamison Sheehan was kicking the ball well. He wasn't necessarily kicking it super far, but he was kicking it directionally. The problem was, I think this was just a severe lack of trust in the in, in, in the punt cover team. Because if you don't take those, like in, in that situation, if you don't take those points, and Jamal Parker, which let's back it up even further, was only inserted into this game after missing weeks for personal stuff, um, to replace, you know, an underwhelming Greg Cray in the punt return part. I mean, this guy hadn't played in weeks, so he would have been he would have been relatively cold. And so maybe there was not enough trust there, uh, and then not enough trust on the punt cover team. So you know, to me, the 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 last one it kind of makes sense because you want to lean on your offense. You bring it to the forty yard line. You hope you can get twenty yards, and Castillo can put you up three more points. So like, that's kind of trusting your offense. So while I think you can look back and go, well, they shouldn't have done it. It ended up being the, you know, the difference in it. Yeah, maybe for sure. But I I get the logic more. The other one, I don't get the one that happened. The first one, the one where, you know, and you've been talking about on the show was, was, 
you know, why, why for one point in 10 yards in a game where every point seemed to matter and that it would come down to every point, why you would be so bothered by starting at the 30 instead of the 40. And, you know, I understand hard uh, yards did not come easy for the Bombers that game. So that, you know, that's more, that's close to how much offense they had in the first quarter. So, you know, but at the same time, you know, you have a prolific offense, the 30 and 40, the 10 yard difference just didn't, didn't seem to make sense for the one point, uh, you know, the one point you had to give up. And, and, and I mean, as you mentioned on the show earlier, you know, Mike O'Shea did, you know, kind of cop to that one and say in hindsight, um, you know, maybe they wouldn't do that. So there was obviously some regret for that one. The one, the, the, the second one, the one where you can look at and go, that made it a three point game. I get it. I get it because in that field position, you already saw the riders come down. I mean, if you think about it, it was kind of lucky that, it went to overtime because what was that field goal? An 18 yarder or something or a 22 yard? Like they got up to like the Bombers 15 yard line at the end of the game and, and, and ran out of, you know, like ran out of downs, but got, got pretty close to the end zone that it wouldn't have been a tie game. So you saw that they were moving the ball well. And I think there's a consideration there that it, I would rather lean on the offense to get, you know, 20 yards than have Jamal Parker come out to the 15, have them stumble get caught and all of a sudden it's coming back for a touchdown. I mean, th- those are the things that coaches think about. Those are the whatever, but M- Michael Shea said he would have done it a hundred percent of the time. Uh, who am I to question him on it? I just think it's a little bit questionable that one where you're looking at one yard over 10 or one point over 10 yards. Um, You know, there's some, uh, some mentions in the chat of the rider two point convert in OT. Did you I think that, that was a catch? Well, and you know what? Sorry. Did they look at that again? Like it, it's it seemed pretty damn close. I'll say that much. I mean, the ball definitely hit the ground. I guess that did he have control of it was the big question. But that didn't really seem to be talked about, and I'm not sure if it ever did get looked at. Well, no. And to be honest with you, I didn't even think about that until I saw a picture on social media about 15 minutes before I was waiting to come on the show. Like I didn't see that at all. There was no talk about that. Those things are supposed to get reviewed by the command center. So maybe you know, maybe if there was any question on the field, certainly no one in the bombers. Locker room was questioning the two-point convert. Nobody's, you know, and so, I mean, I think it's easy to look at a snapshot of a photo and not really know what happened, you know, before or after. But the photo I saw, I mean, you could probably make an argument that the ball was touching the ground. Now, where was the possession at that time? I don't know because I don't know any other evidence. Haven't watched the clip. Um, But certainly from that photo, it it makes you wonder, and I'm certainly will stir up some conversation. But they're supposed to be... You know, they're supposed to be, they are reviewing those. So, I mean, they must have went up and reviewed and the fact that they called it a successful two-point convert, perhaps it was a situation, as we've seen many times before when it comes to making calls, how important it is the call on the field because there probably wasn't an evidence, any evidence to to change it one way or the other. Uh, Jeff Hamilton of the Winnipeg Free Press with us here on Winnipeg Sports Talk. You know, let's get into the chat with the why not question of the day. And, uh, I guess the the question simply is, do you agree with the one-game suspension? Was it enough? Um, or was this a somewhat overkill? Which certainly, if there are any Ryder fans in the chat, they might be voting for that. Let us know. Why not question of the day for our friends at Not Autocorp over at Waverly and McGilvery? Um, Jeff, when we look ahead to the Banjo Bowl... Um, of course, there's not a lot of time between these games, and I think we can look back at the performance, particularly on offense, defense, and special teams in all areas from a Bomber perspective will look to be better. Um, but what do you think that this club needs to clean up the most um, if they're going to be on the other side of the scoreboard 
uh, around six o'clock on Saturday night. Certainly, as we you know, kind of touched off the top, a better start. I mean, they talk about every game, um, you know, matching the teams or, or setting the intensity or being able to match a team's intensity off the bat. We've seen this team front, you know, too many either just be inconsistent on offense or front too many points. I mean, the the Bombers were the Bombers' offense. I mean, they, they'd be the first to say it was was not good in the first quarter, but they were still only down three nothing. So. You know, I, I think it's it's just it's just getting to a better start, finding that rhythm on offense, getting the running game going. I mean, Brady Oliveira has been absolutely incredible this season, um, and just 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 executing right. That's what it comes down to is is executing. I mean, the defense didn't play bad. I mean, they put they got thirty two points put on them, which isn't good, but um, you know they they definitely limited like they limited Saskatchewan to five field goals, so they were they were you know bending and not breaking, if you will. I think again, when it comes down to execution, the one thing that stuck out with the defense was they didn't they didn't have a single turnover, and that you know the defense has been known for two things: not getting the top blown off them, not having you know having those explosion plays come against them as we used to see for years under you know I think early in, in Richie Hall's uh, time in Winnipeg, while they were trying to figure out that that you know right fit in the secondary, but um, and, and of course um, you know obviously limiting teams to. You know, and making big game-changing plays when you need it. You saw it in a lot of those games. You saw it in, in the Calgary game that they should have lost a few weeks ago, right? It was Demario Houston who had a pick six. When If that play doesn't happen, I mean, the Bombers are losing to, to Calgary. Well, it's funny so. you bring that up, that Houston play. Um, and listen, I... You could argue he cost them... He was, the big, he was the big goat in this one. Well, this is the thing. I mean, I think they were so aggressive. And listen, he's had such a monster season. And I can understand why his confidence levels are maxing out right now with the decisions that he's made. But I think they got almost too giddy to try to do exactly that. And that one ended up going for a big, big chunk the other way. But from the did defense... You know his pre-game com- did you notice his pregame comments, though? Did, as no. even adds to the plot line? It was his 27th birthday. And his wishes was two interceptions, one of which would be returned to the house. So that's what maybe his birthday. Calling his shot. And then, and then as he's as he's going through his wishes, there's like a slight hesitation, and he goes, "Oh, but but I but I yeah, definitely want the wind to be in the wish." <laughs> and I'm like, "Good catch," you know, like. But maybe he was a little bit too excited for sure on his birthday, wanting to return that and make the game changing plays that, you know, unfortunately in this one did not look good at, but has looked really good in a lot of other ones. There's no doubt about that. Now, Jeff, um, you know, in the, de- in the defense of the defense, that makes any sense. I think they held the Winnipeg Blue Bombers in the game in the first half. I mean, when your offense, and listen, credit, and I say the offense, Brady Oliveira was an absolute beast in that first half. I mean, yeah, for sure. I, I don't know what, I mean, it basically would have been two and out every single drive if he wasn't running the way that he was. But man, the defense forced a lot of two and outs and kept that game to a bit of a standstill. And, you know, at one point it felt like, you know, this was going to be like, listen, they didn't have as many turnovers, <clears throat> excuse me, as in the uh, the Grey Cup or the uh, West Final a couple years back. But it, it was pretty reminiscent of a game that was really close that maybe shouldn't have been because of what the Bomber offense was doing. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and so the Bombers were, that's been kind of the weird game. Like they've had, the Bombers have, have, like when the offense has, I wouldn't even say the offense has to be really struggling. Like even in that Calgary game, they just need to move the chains. 
right? So if they're not putting up big points, they need to move the chains because we, what we've seen is that when you give this defense an opportunity to, to rest, and, and again, if you can just stay on the field to do that, even if it isn't resulting in touchdowns or you know, big, long, Hail Mary scores, you, know, you can just get your 25, 30 yards, but it gives your defense an opportunity not to, to get out on the field right away. We've seen the defense do special things. You know, and and when they haven't, and when you know, when the offense hasn't been able to sustain drives, whether it's the you know that BC game earlier in the year, uh, or in the last few minutes of that of that much of that Ottawa game, the comeback, um, you know that this this they really they really tend to struggle. And you know, you look at that game against Saskatchewan, and you know, it's it's you you, you look at the first quarter and and attempting only four passes, completing none of them, and having a, an interception that if Nick Marshall doesn't trip there, he's probably going to the end zone. Um, you know, and then you look at the last, what was this last or second last drive of the, yeah, second last drive or something of, of the Bombers in the first half. And all of a sudden it's three plays and it, including a 46 yard dart to Nick Dembski and, you know, an 11 yard pass to, to Dalton Schoen, oh, Dalton Schoen was the first one just to get it right. Uh, and then ending it off with a 34 yard pass to Drew Wolotarski for a touchdown. you all of a sudden look like, okay, what's, you know, why is it three plays here and, and 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 you can't you can't complete a single pass in in the first quarter. So we know how dynamic this you know we know how dynamic this offense is. We know how good they can be. We've seen it not just this season but for years. So it is a bit perplexing when when they go out in, in big games. And but credit to Mosaic Stadium too because that was that was a rock and barn and they did not make it easy. You could certainly see on on replay Zach was was challenged in in hearing the hearing the calls through his helmet and. Um, while, you know, I think they did a good job of the cadence, it wasn't like they took a bunch of, of offside penalties or, 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 or time count violations. Um, but certainly that would have been a challenge. But, yeah, I think, I, think, I think the expectations are high with this group, and rightfully so, especially given what we've seen this year, let alone the last couple. Focusing on the Bombers, what do you think uh, the atmosphere is going to be like around practice, around their scrums? Uh, and what are we going to see from this football team when they – get out there in front of a charge 33k um at the banjo bowl oh it's going to be day one whenever practice gets released it's going to be the number one story i mean they're going to talk about the suspension they're going to talk about whether it was enough they're going to talk about you know zach's going to ask, going to answer questions about his scrum post game to the to the local media like they're going to it's going to be it's going to be a, a narrative all week. I'm sure the Bombers are already working, you know, I'm sure Darren Cameron is working incredibly hard right now to come up with a strategy to uh, you know, to 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 le- to maybe lessen the blow from the media questions, but they're coming fast and furious and whether whether they linger around middle of the week, um, they're definitely going to be showing up, you know, when when the riders get here, so it's just going to be brought up again. Um, and then I imagine the intensity, that's where I think it gets a little bit interesting like do I think it's going to be take a number? Is there potential for tempers to overflow? Obviously. I mean, of course there is. I mean, there, there was there was potential for tempers to overflow and something to happen, even if this headbutt didn't happen. So to, to suggest that this, you know, doesn't have an impact would be ridiculous. But I do think, you know, two teams who have, you know, their focus on the standings both have obviously something to play for right now. The Bombers to keep pace in the West at top spot. You know, the Riders did them a, a real favor uh, did the BC Lions a real favor by by beating them last week, and then of course the Rough Riders are now comfortably in second place. They have a chance if if they can carve out another victory this week. What's to say that the West isn't open for them to go after? As ridiculous and crazy as that sounds, and sound it would have sound all year. They seem to come to life with that win. Um, 
You know, so I don't think it's going to be something that, well, it's going to be a distraction from the media and, and rightfully so. This is how you sell games. This is how you, how you get the, how you make excitement for the games. This is what the fans want to, want to read about. They want, they want to hear all those things. But I think once the game starts, there's going to be a level of, you know, go back to the earlier comments, professionalism, I think that takes over. And while there's potential for tempers to blow over, I, you know, boil over, I don't think, uh, I don't think it's going to be something that's, occupying everybody's mind. I think it's going to be those valuable two points. Well, I mean, I'm just looking here at one of the resale sites. And, you know, going into the Labor Day Classic, you know, there were some seats for 70 or so. I think a few for maybe 85. The get-in price now, there's two pairs of seats less than 120 bucks. There's not very many seats at all available. And, uh, I think we're going to maybe see a little bit more green of some t- folks making the, uh, you know, feeling a, an injection of confidence after the Labor Day Classic, which might make this one a little more uh, less partisan. That being said, um, this crowd, I think, is going to be an all-timer. Um, there's been some amazing crowds at IG Field, but there's nothing that gets <clears throat> everybody that's in the stadium into the game like a visit from the Riders. And Jeff, with everything coming out of this game, I think there's a lot of questions the Bombers need to answer themselves by the way that they play. Um, But I have no doubt that this is going to be a team that comes out. Um, And I think the start, here's my, but the one prediction I will make is they will start off much better offensively than they did in the Labor Day Classic. And uh, if they're able to get up, there will be no, no letting off the gas whatsoever but i'll say this saskatchewan is coming around their defense is good and um i mean they got a young quarterback that's playing with some confidence right now and a win like that against a great team like winnipeg gives you that much more just thoughts on dolly gala and like what the riders are going to be bringing in here on saturday yeah so i was just i was but you saw me looking off screen. I was seeing if I could check the odds for the game because I was I was just going to pick up and say I think the Bombers are going to be absolutely fired up to light up points. I would be, you know, and I think it works in your betting favor that, that Saskatchewan won last week because it's I think that's going to probably give them a little bit more support in all this. But I think the, the Bombers have been pretty good at rebounding from from losses and to, to, to take advantage of the atmosphere, the crazy atmosphere that's going to be at IG Field, I think is going to be the – you know, the not-so-secret sauce to this team's uh, rebound. But um, certainly an absolute massive victory for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Like, I was talking with the local local media there, thinking that if the, bar, if, the riders could, if the riders could win that game, you almost kind of like, you know, Jake Dolgala, one guy I think, you know, much like the narrative we were talking about Drew Brown, I think he did himself a lot of favors. I mean, I will not be surprised, and I wrote in my five takeaways, as I do after every game for the Winnipeg Free Press, I, I wrote that I wrote that this I, I would not be surprised at all. And we were calling the Free Press. Uh, uh, shout out to Darren Hargreaves, the ultimate headline writer at the paper. He uh, he's dubbed him the Green Giant. That has stuck in Saskatchewan. Hmm. Um, so you know, like the fact that he beat the Bombers. I mean, I I think that is a massive, you know, a massive hit to his, you know in a good way to his bank account because I think by the end of this season. Well, I know this this organization is very, very committed to Trevor Harris. You know, you can see it in, in the way they handle him off the field. I saw him a couple times. Like, they embrace him every time they see him. They, You know, they're helping him through all this. I think if Jake Dolgala continues to do what he's been doing the last couple of weeks, and I have no reason to think otherwise, given the composure and, 
And just the way – sometimes you can just tell, right? And that's taking – you know, that's not even taking into consideration. He's six seven, can run, you know, has, a, you know, has an arm, you know, has a great arm, uh, as, as we saw on Sunday in, in the game before that against, against BC. But, you know, this – he could be – I would not be surprised if the Rough Riders are, are in a position where they need to make a tough decision, whether that's going back with a 38-year-old Harris who's coming off a, you know, a pretty, pretty – and that decision will have to happen before the end of the year. Because the the buzz is is that Harris is making his way back for the last two or three weeks of the season, and that's not too far away. And if Jake Dolagala continues to play the way he's playing, I don't know how you put, uh, I don't know how you replace him. So that's certainly good news for the Riders. But I think they come and into Winnipeg this week with absolute confidence. I mean, how can you not, right? You 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 slayed the Dragon. Uh, you, you did it in front of a, a big crowd. You, you you've now beat BC and Winnipeg. You're you're suddenly looking at. You know, the West isn't necessarily out of reach for you. And um, and so I think that confidence, you know, the week from, you know, I think that confidence is going to be there certainly from from Sunday's win. But I'll just, you know, end by saying I think the Bombers uh, coaching staff went straight to their hotel rooms after the game and were plotting the revenge of a rematch. So I don't think, you know, I definitely would expect Winnipeg to answer. They've done that in the past. They've done, you know, I have all expectations that they will now, especially when you, you paint the picture of the Banjo Bowl and how, how absolutely wild the fans are going to be. The, the, the IG field has been absolutely incredible environment all season long. And I look forward to what will easily be the, probably the craziest night of the year. Yeah. The green giant better be ready to uh, deal with 33,000 plus. Cause it is going to be bananas. And I would like to think bombers by a million. However, uh, I think this is going to be a game. And I think a lot of it is going to depend on how the bombers execute, because that was the one thing I think that separated a game that was put on a platter for them. Uh, and they weren't able to take advantage of it. And there hasn't been many opportunities for us to say that about this Winnipeg football club in a long, long time. Um, just quickly before we go hammer, how about Saturday triple header? Um, you know, the Argo Ticat game wasn't that close. And I think those teams are, you know, on different levels. But, man, the rematch of the Alberta game and the Banjo Bowl itself, I mean, are going to be very, very fun. And I think great for the league on uh, such a great football weekend with a massive day of the CFL heading into week one of NFL on Sunday. Yeah, what a game that was that, you know, and that game went into it, man. I don't know if you saw this Saturday. We would have talked about it on the show. I, I certainly was not surprised, even though it was shocking. This, this, the series, the Labor Day series between those two teams was 30-30-1. and Heading into the heading into the weekend, and so that just goes to show you how close these games are, and and certainly you know lived up to its reputation. Finally, Calgary is able to put up a ton of offense and actually squeeze out a victory. Um, but you know, I you know as disappointing, and that probably was. I mean, obviously Edmonton can rebound this week and and try to get that victory, but Edmonton really need to get those two victories and ride some of their momentum. Um, you know, but looking at what Trey Ford has done there, and I've said this twice in my CFL one rundown column each week, I'll have to probably say it again, is just how crazy it is that Edmonton or Chris Chris Jones couldn't couldn't trust, you know, a, a young guy, quarterback and Trey Ford do what he's doing. And, and the ironic part is probably did it because because of how young he is, didn't wanna and, and because of how bad the season was last year, didn't wanna didn't wanna have to wait four or five games you know, to get for Trey Ford to get, you know, up to speed when in reality, you know, having that guy out there, you probably would have stumbled for maybe a game if that and would have hit the ground running and maybe they would be in contention right now, or at least in the fight. Um, 
but uh, yeah, too little, too late. It'll be interesting to see what Edmonton can do next week. But I, I really enjoyed the football this weekend and or this past weekend. Obviously, one of the if not the most exciting weekends of the year. But to get that, you know, a lot of those rematches back this weekend. It's and uh, under some of the context, what happened on over this past weekend, I think it's uh, setting up to be an absolute crazy, crazy couple days of uh, three down football. Bring it on 3 p.m. Saturday afternoon, IG Field. And what else? Um, What's another league? What's another league too? Aren't they, isn't isn't another league starting? No, there's something else league? going on. Not on Saturday though. Not on Saturday, Saturday though. Apparently, though. Kelsey hyperextended his knee today in Chiefs practice oh, and is now no. might not play. And no you didn't Chris call him Jones. sick. Sneed. You didn't call him sick. <laughs> there won't be any calling in sick, but uh, okay, good. we'll definitely be watching that game and then. There's no Sunday like the first Sunday of NFL football. As I said, this might be my favorite weekend of the year. I mean, the Saturday is so much fun with the Banjo Bowl and the other great action the CFL's putting on, U.S. college football going on, and then uh, a full slate of four-down pigskin from the National Football League. It should be a lot of fun. Hammer, I'm going to really be looking forward to everything you've got in the freep as we head into the game. And... uh We'll look forward to hopefully having a different tone to the conversation next Monday after the Banjo Bowl, fingers crossed. Yeah, my only regret is I get another day off. That's what happens when you work across the long weekend. I wish I was there for, for that first day. But uh, And anybody, like I saw a little bit of comments and some direction towards me, like that wasn't Zach taking a strip off me. That was just a guy who was, you know, having a good, you know, needed to get something off his chest. And, and I gave him the opportunity to do just that. I got a lot of respect for him. We got a lot of respect for each other. Obviously, I did a big feature on him, but that was a moment that people were heated on. I mean, there's not a lot of times that, you know, President and CEO Wade Miller wants to share any comment with me, let alone one post game. So, you know, you could tell, you know, and Mike O'Shea's comments, like he's he's on the rules committee. I mean, this this really, you know, his comments about, did you hear that one about the, uh, ask him what their favorite flavor of ice cream was, and they tell me they didn't see it. Anyways, you don't see a lot of that, but it made for an entertaining post game and uh, certainly... Uh, certainly something that they're going to be, you know, ease, trying to ease up on that, that's going to be trying to be ramped up in the media. And that's the fun of it. And setting up what was already going to be an exciting uh, rematch is an even, an even crazier one. Go get prepping for the draft tonight. I will talk to you. You're one on two, eh? You're one on two. So uh, it's in a super flex league. I've never been in a super flex league. So I guess. Me neither. Yeah. I'm yeah. pumped. So, I mean, it made my first pick very, very easy. Yeah, no doubt. No I'll doubt. be throwing my red 15 on and uh, getting a chance to take my guy with the first pick. It'll be great. But, yeah, I, I'm really looking forward to this with some of the other media guys. Uh, have fun. Well, anyways, I'll talk to you later. Thanks so much for doing this. And uh, great stuff all weekend. And can't wait to see what this upcoming week holds. Always a good time, man. Talk to you later. There's Jeff Hamilton from the Winnipeg Free Press. Well, uh, Banjo Bowl preparations are already well underway. And those preparations should probably include a visit over to Little Brown Jug to pick up Winnipeg's favorite local beer, the 1919, the new generic lager, and all of their other great options. Uh, of course, the brewery and tap room open to the public seven days a week. The beautiful new patio, which will also be weather permitting the spot for our next sports trivia night, which thanks again to everyone sold out two weeks in advance. Um, I'm looking forward to it. We are curating questions by the day. I will look forward to seeing y'all out there September 13th. If you got tickets for Winnipeg sports talk, sports trivia night, number three, hit up little Brown jug as well online at littlebrownjug.ca for more. 
Well, the Ryder Cup teams are set. We're counting down to the Ryder Cup at the end of the month. Ludwig Aberg, lock shop favorite, getting a win on the weekend and getting in. He's only been a pro for three, four months, playing in a Ryder Cup before he's played in a major. Great story about that. Um, but, of course, a little quieter on tour right now. That's okay. We'll keep an eye on what our boy Aaron Cockrell's up to. And we'll look forward to getting a few rounds in before the end of the year out of Breezy Bend. Uh, if you're looking for a great long-term home for you and your family at one of Manitoba's top private courses, talk to our pal Corey Johnson at the clubhouse or go to breezybend.ca for more information on getting on the waiting list for the upcoming 2024 season. And uh, hey, huge shout out to our friends at Aikens Lake Wilderness Lodge. What a season it's been. Got a few more uh, weeks up at Aikens, but they're already planning on 2024. And if you are looking for a world-class fly-in fishing destination where you can be on the water in about two hours from the city of Winnipeg, Aikens is the spot. And as incredible as the world-class fishing is, it's the world-class hospitality that truly defines the Aikens experience. Find out more online, akinslake.ca. Or hit up our pal Pitt Turan on Twitter or X at Aikens Lake for more information on availability and booking in to 2024. All right. Um, shout out to the Gold Eyes who finished their season on the weekend yesterday in Fargo. Was a tough, tough year for the fish. I know there'll be some changes made. And we'll be back at the ballpark next year cheering on the boys of summer. But uh, no playoffs this year for the Gold Eyes. But a big thanks to Andrew and the club for their great support of Winnipeg Sports Talk. Two Gold Eyes named American Association All-Stars. No surprise, Max Murphy, a Gold Eyes legend. And rookie Dason Crows, who had such an awesome season. Really the, uh, the highlights. And hey, at least they finished it up with a win beating the Fargo-Moorhead Redhawks 7-2 in the final game of the regular season yesterday. All right, let's get Michael Remus in here. Um, Remo, we uh, are uh, going to have Dwight Walton join us in a few minutes. And one of the other stories that, I mean, obviously in a city like Winnipeg, coming off a Labor Day weekend that featured a banjo bowl with so many stories was maybe going to be dealt with a little later on. But it, nevertheless, just a massive, massive win for Canada. And uh, our uh, our Canadian men's team are going to be going to the Olympics. I mean, what an incredible result and, and such an exciting time for basketball in Canada. Yes, Hess, uh, they tried to get back there um, for the last number of years. Everything came together so nicely. Uh, this, you know, for this World Cup with uh, all the players buying in, uh, the players, uh, you know, have some of the top guys like SGA, uh, absolutely incredible. And they came and basically steamrolled uh, this tournament, getting back to the Olympics in basketball, first time since 2000. So uh, very, uh, very fired up for that. Well, I'm fired up for this next conversation because I don't think we could have a better guest today to talk about the journey of Canadian basketball on the men's side, on the world level. And, of course, it's Dwight Walton, who's been kind enough to join us in the past. Basketball analyst and former member of the 88 men's Olympic basketball team. 
joins us now. Dwight, uh, it is great to have you on the program. And Matt, it is fun to be talking about Canada, staying alive in that tournament and moving on to the Olympics. How much fun did you have on Sunday and how much stress did you have as we went through that game against Spain? Well, let, let, let me give, let me chronicle what happened on Sunday morning. I started the game watching it in my bed, in my bedroom. By the fourth quarter, I was watching the game at the foot of my bed because I was a nervous wreck. And I want to give Jordy Fernandez, head coach of Canada, all the credit in the world because he made a strategic change at halftime, which was brilliant as far as I'm concerned. And I also want to give Kelly Olynyk a whole lot of credit for accepting what happened at halftime. Kelly Olynyk wasn't playing well for us against Spain. And he'll be the first to tell you. So Coach Fernandez made a strategic change by going smaller, by putting Dylan Brooks at the four, uh, having Lou Dort at the three, RJ Brad at the two, Shea at the one, and Dwight Powell at the five. And what that did, it enabled us to switch everything on the perimeter. And it made us smaller, but I think it made us more athletic. It made us quicker and, quite frankly, a better defensive team. And because of that, it enabled us to get back into the game. Now, of course, it was timely that Dylan Brooks decided to show up on the offensive end. And, of course, we all believe in Shea, Gilles Alexander. He's the one that took us home down the stretch. But because of that defensive change at halftime, it gave us a chance to get back into that game. I also want to give credit to Nikhail Alexander-Walker. His ball pressure on whatever point guard was bringing the ball up for Spain was paramount because what it did, instead of Spain having 18 seconds on the shot clock to shoot, Spain had 12 or less to shoot on the shot clock. That was a strategy that Brazil brilliantly used against us when they beat us last Friday. But Spain isn't Brazil. They're a whole different team than Brazil is. And so that enabled us, because of that ball pressure, to come back into the game and enable us to, to do what we did down the stretch. So to answer your question, I was a nervous wreck. But of course, I'm a happy camper now. We've accomplished our goal. We've gotten to the quarterfinals of this tournament. But more importantly, we've qualified for the Olympic Games in Paris, France in 2024 for the first time in 23 years. Yeah, I mean, it is. Uh, listen, I've been watching all the games. And, and, you know, going back to the Brazil game, that was such a disappointment because of, I mean, just how great Canada had looked through the first three games. And they went as a big, big favorite in that game. And, you know, unfortunately, like has happened in previous incarnations of our senior men's national team, fell up short at such a crucial time. But the way they played in those first three games gave them another out. They had another chance, albeit against the number one ranked Spanish. But Dwight, this is a team that I think realized that they had used their get-out-of-jail-free card. And, uh, well, maybe they used another one down 12 in the fourth quarter but they found a way to get it done. And, uh, I mean, we can talk a little bit more about how they did it, but, I mean, for someone that's been involved and covered this program for so long, I mean, this is uh, such a momentous win, regardless of what happens for the rest of this tournament, knowing that Canada's back in the Olympics, as you mentioned, since, what, 2000? Yes. <laughs> and uh, you know what? I'm glad you give me this opportunity. I want to say this. I want this to be known. Um, I want to thank all of the countless players that helped us 
qualify for the World Cup. I want to say there was yes. 33 to 40 players that were involved because we didn't have access to the NBA guys, but that just shows you the depth that we have in our country in terms of basketball players that play at an elite level, whether it be in elite leagues overseas, in both uh, in South America and in Europe and in Asia. Uh, I also have to give credit to our recently new uh, professional league here in Canada, the CEBL, the Canadian Elite Basketball League. We've had players from that league help us qualify. We've had countless coaches. I must mention Roy Rana, who's now a part of the Egyptian, Egyptian basketball program, who helped cultivate and skill develop a lot of the young players that you see on our senior men's program right now. Have to give credit where credit is due to former Toronto Raptors head coach Nick Nurse, who's now the head coach of the Philadelphia 76ers. He had his part in helping us here. But I want to get to the crux here. I want to get to President Michael Bartlett and current general manager Rowan Barrett Sr. I understand when these guys are hired that 90% of their job is based on wins and losses. And it's understood. And our wins have been far and few between. Our qualification for major tournaments have not gone well over the last 10 to 12 years. And I understand that. But those two men, Michael Bartlett and Rowan Barrett Sr., had a plan in place. They wanted to change the culture of the national program. They wanted to make it more diverse in the front office. They wanted to make sure that the young players understood the alumni that came before them. Rowan Barrett Sr. has done a magnificent job of incorporating all of us, myself included, in being a part of the program. And I think that that has helped us a lot. I think that's just what has cultivated and changed the culture of Canada basketball. I think you could, you could just tell. I've been around it. It is different. It is different. I understand that we want to have more wins and more success on the international stage. But we have to give credit to Rowan Barrett Sr., Michael Bartlett, that front office, and to all of the players, coaches, support staff, that have helped us get to this point, culminating with us qualifying with a huge, huge win over the number one ranked team in Spain, the best passing team in Spain, the most probably most experienced team in the tournament in terms of international competition. For us to get it done in the fashion that we did, I want to thank everybody that played a part and was involved in, in getting to this point where we are today. You know, Dwight, uh, you know, there's part of it that feels and I'm sure like everyone knowing what the ultimate goal was that it's mission accomplished. Canada's going to the Olympics. This was the best case scenario we talked about, you know, being the top two of the Americas and getting that spot. Well, they've got that spot. They still got a game tomorrow. Yes. Why, why not us in this tournament, Dwight? Right. And you know what? I'm, I, I've been in conversation with a couple of the players and the coaches and Rowan Barrett of course, senior, of course, and I'm glad they had the extra day to sort of recalibrate, refocus, and to come down from the emotional high that they obviously were allowed to have. Because you could tell by the way the players celebrated. Kelly Olenek and Dwight Powell had tears in their eyes as they embraced being the veterans on the team. They understood the process, how long it took to finally get over the hump. We've had so many disappointments over the last several years, the loss to Venezuela in 2015, the loss to Czechoslovakia during the pandemic in Victoria. I can go on and on with all these losses, all these disappointments. 
But to have that victory, you could see the emotion. But at least they had the extra day to refocus and to now focus on Slovenia. I think the guys could breathe. I think the pressure is off. All they have to do now is hoop. Uh, it's going to be difficult. They're going to get up against Luka Doncic and Slovenia. Doncic being one of the top players, obviously, in this tournament, in the NBA, and quite frankly, top in the top five, as far as I'm concerned, as best basketball player currently in the world. I'm, I, I'm always on social media saying that referees don't win or lose games. But what I will say tomorrow, we all know that Luka Doncic is insufferable when it comes to whining and complaining towards officials. We can have as much, as many schemes as we want to tomorrow in trying to guard Doncic and Slovenia. We understand that Doncic is going to get his. He is the star of Slovenia. Everything goes through him, so we expect him to get his numbers. All I'm saying is, for the primary defenders, Lugans Dort and Dylan Brooks, who have consistently been in foul trouble throughout this World Cup, we need them on the floor. Stay disciplined. Let Jordy Fernandez, the head coach of Canada, be concerned about the officials. The players need to play ball. Don't get caught up in Dottich's antics tomorrow towards the officials because he's going to be complaining once he sets steps off of that bus to the arena. He's going to be complaining once he gets into the arena. And you can best believe during the game, you will see he's going to want every call from the officials and with how aggressive and how physical Lou and Dylan play defensively, he is going to try and flop, act, do whatever it takes to make sure that he gets the attention of the officials so he can have all the respect that he feels he deserves from the officials in that game. That's how he plays. It's part of his stick. It's part of his repertoire. That's how he wants to get underneath people's skins when he's playing against teams. He wants the officials on his side. So no matter what we do tomorrow, I know we're going to score the basketball. I know we have the talent. I think the focus is going to be on the officials and how they officiate the physical presence defensively that Lugens Dort and Dylan Brooks are going to have on Luka Doncic against Slovenia tomorrow morning. You know, it's so funny. Uh, uh, being a wrestling fan, I always like that term, the, the heel turn, when a guy turns into the bad guy. Uh-huh. Dylan Brooks has done the exact opposite of that right now. He was like the bad guy of the NBA. And now everything, if you're from north of the border, everything is forgiven. He's our guy right now. Those three threes that he had late in the game were massive but I have to ask you about Shea Gilgis Alexander. He had already turned into a true superstar in the NBA, mm-hmm. but man, Dwight, he uh, he had ice in his veins in that fourth quarter and um, did what he had to do. How impressed have you been with his emergence as a true leader on this team and what he was able to do under immense pressure against the Spanish? Well, Andrew, this is, this is why I felt so confident coming into the tournament. Now, I don't want to focus on the players that aren't with our team, but if Jamal Murray had been in the backcourt with Shea Gilles Alexander, I don't want to get ahead of myself, but we would have been a pretty tough team to beat had we had those two in our backcourt. However, the fact that we do have Shea in our backcourt and because we can literally give him the ball in the final minutes of any game, that's why I know we have a chance to at least come up with a victory. 
We know we're going to get a good shot. We know he's a willing passer when he gets double teamed. We have seen that because of our inconsistent shooting over the course of this tournament, how teams have loaded up defensively, showing man-to-man, but in reality, being in a 2-3 or 3-2 matchup zone because they want Shea to give the ball up and to force the others who have been inconsistent from distance to beat them over the top. You will see Slovenia... Uh, have the same game plan tomorrow. And quite frankly, over the rest of the course of the tournament, as far as we go, they're going to force the others, other than Shea Gilles-Alexander, to beat them. But when Canada has needed him most, Shea has come up huge. We understand the shots that he made down the stretch on against Spain this past Sunday. But if he saw the free throws that he made down the stretch, not one of them touched the rim. Everything was nothing but net. That just tells you how confident, how cool, calm, and collected he is, and how basically borderline arrogant he is. He knows he's great. He knows he's one of the top players in this tournament alongside Luka Doncic, Anthony Edwards, and Dennis Schroeder uh, that's left in this tournament. So he has every right to feel as good as he does. The reality is he's coming off of being one of the top five players this past NBA season, being named to the first team All-NBA. That has a lot to do with his confidence, and that just tells you how great he is. And I'm just glad that he's on our side and why I was so confident going into this World Cup saying that Canada had a legitimate chance at the very least to medal and a legitimate chance at coming out with a gold medal in this World Cup. Dwight Walton is with us. Uh, just before we go, um, the Olympics clinched. Now it's time to see what happens in the playoffs. How significant, momentous, important, I mean, add the adjectives you want, would a win, would a gold medal be for Canada in this FIBA World Cup? Because I think anything's possible with this team right now. You know what? We need to just keep it in the moment. Um, Canada has a, a little bit legitimate shot at winning the gold medal in this tournament. I'm just happy that the focus is on us right now. Uh, we've, we have had an opportunity here to erase a lot of the negativity that has come towards our program. Uh, you can see the shift right now. There will still be people out there, unfortunately, Andrew, that will harbor resentment towards our program, but we can't worry about that. Each game from here on out will change the paradigm force of our program. It will inspire the youth, both men and women, boys and girls, to come forth and want to be a part of this. I can't say it enough how important it is to want to wear your country's colors. Country pride is very important. You can see it through the TV screen with these guys that are playing for us right now. They are committed. They were committed from the get-go. They don't only want to commit uh, to qualify for the Olympics. They want to win the gold medal at this tournament. And because they've done the hard part now, they have qualified for the Olympics, they can breathe. They can relax. Just go out there and hoop and let the chips fall where they may. And I truly believe that once they relax and understand the enormity of the moment and understand the assignment, they will give themselves their best opportunity at making history for our country by coming out with the gold medal at the 2023 World Cup in the Philippines. Set those alarm clocks tomorrow morning, folks. 7.30 Winnipeg time. Canada, Slovenia, Shea, Luca. It doesn't get much better than this. Only when uh, 
we're playing for an Olympic gold medal in a few years. Dwight, thank you so much for doing this. Uh, fingers crossed we might be able to hit you up and uh, later on this week or next week and talk about a few more wins for the red and white. You have my info, fellas. Anytime you want to have me on, it would be my pleasure to be on. Thanks, guys. You got Appreciate it. Day. Enjoy the game tomorrow. You too. Thank you. Oh, man, that's awesome. And loving the comments in the chat. People loving Dwight's uh, appearance. Lots of passion. Um, and, I mean, what a team. That game, for anyone that got up on Sunday, yeah, it didn't look good. Therefore, uh, <laughs> it didn't look good at some point in the fourth quarter. But they found a way to get it done. And uh, the scenes after the victory for Canada are something that I'm going to remember for a long, long time. But uh, big thanks to Dwight for jumping on with us. Uh, actually, let's just scoot over to the Cool Bet lines and start off there. Listen, people are paying attention to Canada right now. Canada, an eight and a half point favorite in this game tomorrow. And uh, minus 417 on the money line. So. I think Canada, like, listen, Luka Doncic, arguably one of the best players in the entire world, although so is Shea. Um, but it certainly seems like Canada has the deeper squad. There's going to be a lot on the shoulders of Doncic if they want to win that game tomorrow. So uh, Canada, eight and a half point favorites. Cool bet. Uh, the other game that's going on before Slovenia, Canada, Latvia, who Canada beat already, and Germany, Germany, nine and a half point favorite. So uh, if the bookies are right, we'll have a Canada-Germany semifinal. Earlier today, the USA won. Let me just see that. USA did win their game after a, a kind of a shocking loss to, uh, to Lithuania. Uh, and they are going to be playing Serbia in the, uh, in the other semifinal. So U.S. and Serbia already in the semis. Canada, Slovenia tomorrow, Latvia, Germany to get to the final four. A couple other things. Uh, we do not have CFL lines yet. Uh, but, man, we got a lot to go, a lot to get to for the National Football League. Uh, wow, this Travis Kelsey news has uh, hit the line a little bit. It was six and a half in the morning. The Chiefs and Lions... It's now down to five and a half for Kansas City. And the total's gone down to 53 and a half. Uh, if you're just popping in, apparently Travis Kelsey hyperextending his knee in practice today, just two days before the Chiefs season opener. That sucks. Um, he's questionable for the game on the weekend. Of course, Chris Jones hasn't signed yet. Legereus Sneed nicked up. Chiefs uh Go dealing with it a little bit before game number one of 17 against the upstart Detroit Lions. By the way, anyone, listen, if you haven't played a cool bet before, you want to get in for the NFL season, use the promo code WST when you're making your first deposit, and you'll get a 100% bonus up to 200 bucks the first time you play a cool bet. However, cool betters and many WSTers that have been playing with us at cool bet throughout the year. Fellas have a great special just for the first week of NFL. It's a little reload bonus. Uh, a 100% bonus up to 50 bucks. Use the promo code NFLRL23. You can check my Twitter or the Coolbet Canada Twitter for, uh, for more information on that. Uh, but yeah, if you deposit 50 bucks, they'll give you another 50 bucks to get ready. And uh, we hit a bunch more futures in the lock shop today. We'll finish it off with our season-long predictions tomorrow. And then on Thursday, we hit Thursday Night Football. We hit the weekend in the Canadian Football League. 
And then Friday, the first NFL Sunday picks of the year. I cannot wait. Subscribe to the pod wherever you get your favorite pods. Just search Lock Shop. And again, tomorrow, uh, we'll be doing the show over at noon our time on the Edmonton Sports Talk YouTube channel and uh, and feed. Um, we'll go through all the games, uh, I guess, as we get closer to the weekend. But the game on Thursday, again, Chiefs minus five right now. And that's been going down after the news of Travis Kelsey earlier this uh, year. Uh, let's get Michael Remus back in here. Remo, how awesome was Dwight? I mean, I'm even more fired up, and I've been quite fired up talking to Alex all last week who joined us from Jakarta. Uh, after you feel, and you can just feel the passion because, hey, he's been there before. He's been with this team for so long. Um, mm-hmm. To see them achieve what they did on the weekend and still be alive in the FIBA World Cup, very, very cool time for Canadian hoops. Yeah, Dwight, uh, look, member of the 1988 uh, Canada men's basketball team in Seoul, Korea. Um, you know, pretty incredible going, you know, the difference in the program then. Uh, to what it is now, he's what he's analyst uh, for CEBL Montreal Alliance with Mo Khan. Uh, we've had him on many times going back back years, and his passion for Canadian basketball certainly unmatched. We're seeing all the positive comments in the chat uh, saying, "Look, I'm not even a huge basketball fan, but this guy makes me want to run through a wall, getting me excited." The game is on 7:30 a.m. tomorrow on Sportsnet, so you can tune in, have a little breakfast and watch some ball. So uh, that should be an exciting one. Yeah, no doubt about it. Hey, by the way, uh, we have to give a big shout-out to uh, Bailey. It's back to school Bailey tomorrow, I think. We're going to lose her wonderful spirit in the chat each and every day. She just mentioned, thanks for letting me spend my summer with you guys at Winnipeg Sports Talk. Keep up the great work. And right back at you, Bailey, we'll see you at FanFest. Make sure to come and say hi. And hopefully add some games this year. And I know, hey, some people's schedule might be a little different from the summer to the um, uh, to fall. If you're able to join us live, fantastic. But as always, the uh, shows are there for you whenever you can get to them on podcast and on YouTube. And speaking of YouTube, if you're new, hit that thumbs up button and make sure you hit that red subscribe button. We are just getting going as we head into September. Jets training camp in a few weeks, and of course, the most exciting time of the year for football fans because your NFL team's still in first place right now, and uh, we're getting to the best part of the Canadian Football League regular season, not to mention a big hoops game tomorrow night. So, lots going on. Uh, just before we get to uh, finish up the program, Reem, and finish up the uh, the with our uh, with our horse picks, um, I think it was Bruce that mentioned. In chat, one of the Serbian players lost a kidney after taking an elbow in the uh, in the in the, uh, the World Cup. Yeah, that's a lost thing. A kidney, I, exactly. I read that article. I'm like, whoa. Uh, heard of a lot of injuries, nothing like that before. And just very quickly, did you see any of the uh, the college football south of the border on the weekend? A little on Saturday. I, Coach what, Prime. Oh, I can't. I, that Dion. I, yes. <clears throat> Crazy. I mean, he brought in like 80 new players to Colorado. They went in as, I think it might have been like 20-point underdogs against TCU, who was in the final of the national championship game last year. His son, playing quarterback, passed for over 500 yards. 
and they won. And you knew the minute that game was over, Dion was going to be flapping him in front of a microphone. And no surprise, he had lots to say. Very, very entertaining. And I personally, as a guy that cannot stand Dabo Sweeney, uh, took great joy in watching Clemson get pumped by Duke of all teams last night. Tough way to start the season for the Clemson Tigers, who are usually an absolute powerhouse. And uh, one other thing, I know people are getting to this in chat. It's your boy Bruce and more. A massive piece of wrestling news, Remo. Okay. CM, CM Punk fired from AEW. They did their, they had a uh, pay-per-view Sunday night in Chicago where CM Punk is from. Some of the sites of his great comeback and a bunch of others. Tony Khan fired him for uh, his antics after, I guess, basically during the Wembley show. And anyone that's followed this for a long time has known there's been a lot of behind-the-scenes turmoil. Uh, I personally can't stand Punk. I thought that he is a self-absorbed windbag that seems to create problems everywhere he goes. Uh, but for whatever reason, tons of people love the guy. I think that's eroding a little bit. Uh, but they're going to have to find a new place to watch CM Punk do his thing because uh, he's gonzo from AEW. Yeah, I've been seeing him trending a lot. I'm not sure. Like he went on. I know he went on this press conference, like ripping people out a couple months ago, right? Um, and got in some well, altercations. That, that was yeah, exactly. He got in a fight with Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks, who were basically executive vice presidents of the uh, of the event. He was suspended for a while. He came back. They all were suspended for a while. Came back, and essentially, what they planned to do was bring CM Punk back but put him on his own show on Saturday nights and sort of split the roster. So they never got past any of the bad blood or anything like that. And obviously it struck down. I guess what had happened was Jack Perry uh, made a comment during the live Wembley show with the 80,000 people um, saying real glass, cry me a river. And that was apparently an inside shot at punk about they had sort of been putting out that Perry had, um, uh, wanted to work with Real Glass and they did because um, he was going to be taking a day off and they wanted to have a good injury storyline to do it. And again, a bunch of minutia behind the scenes. Anyways, Punk was pissed off when he came out, basically threw down with Perry, put him in a headlock and apparently came at Tony Khan who owns the place and said that he quit too. So they were just done with the BS. So he is done. If you follow wrestling at all, it is a huge, huge story. It has sort of overshadowed everything else that AEW is doing while the WWE just keeps on going. I guess now all the internet dirt sheets will be able to talk about whether CM Punk will come back to WWE. I, for one, think he's way overrated, but uh, people want to talk about it. So uh, for those of you wondering about it in chat, there you go. Um Chalk up a win for Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks and a see you later to Punk, who was fired with cause and probably loses a couple million bucks out of the uh, the entire thing. Mike Wynn, CM Punk is a bully. Damn right. <laughs> glad to see him. Uh, glad to see him gone. Mary Jane, hope to see WST at the Fan Fest this year. You absolutely will. Very much looking forward to that. Um, all right, Remo, let's get to the picks. We missed you last week firing them off. 
Um, yeah, it didn't go well. Time for us to start. This is the home stretch for us right now. We're probably very close in our season-long battle. Um, where are you starting today? I am waiting until I got race three through race six. Okay, I'm race three, five, six, but also race one. And you know when I see McCaig on the card, yeah. usually that's an auto bet for me. Not when it's going up against Del Vecchio, who did win last time at a mile. Um, I believe Del Vecchio beat out, maybe it was McCaig. Either way, I'm taking Del Vecchio to win. Five, five on Del Vecchio. Nicely done. Nicely done. All right. So let's go to race number three. I am going with a one, three, five triactor box. Hand carved, moving down a class. Mr. Dazzle, who is the favorite. And I'm adding number five, something super. So a one, three, five triactor box for race number three. I'm very similar. I'm one, two, three triactor box going within the deep. For that one with hand carved and Mr. Dazzle. All right, let's go to race number four. This is my other triactor box. And I believe what was it? Three, four, seven. So Justa Buster. Yeah. And big ticket are the two favorites. And then I'm gonna throw in Wits Rojo. I love those wit horses. He had a nice win at six furlongs uh, about three, four weeks ago. So we're uh, banking on Wits Rojo to uh, get in the mix. Three, four, seven, my triactor box for race number four. Okay, I'm on race five uh, to win. Uh, of course, how could I not bet on this horse win? Favorite, horse two to win. There it is. Interesting. I am going with race, I'm betting number six to win, White Rose Spirit. Yeah, they're both pretty decent odds. They're both in the program selection there. So I don't think you can go wrong with either one. You bet. And then race six, uh, my final bet is number four to win, Kitan. Seen Kitan win a few times before. Seven to two, opening line. Kitan is my pick. We're going head to head, and I'm making the smart call here. Taking smart call to win. I think I've done this before. So favorite and smart call. I I don't usually do like, what's it called where you uh, pick the winner of two races back to back? Is that daily double? I don't know. But smart yeah. call and favorite seem like locks to me. <laughs> they, they've certainly got the right names. Um, so there you go, folks. If you want, get on over to hpibet.com and get an account. If you'd like to bet remotely on the track or better yet, why don't you head on down to Assiniboia Downs tonight or tomorrow for live racing for uh, some of the final days of the racing season. All the information on Assiniboia Downs is at asdowns.com. If you want to call and reserve in the dining room, it's 885-3330. Well, fun show, dominated by the Banjo Bowl and, of course, Canada's big win. Um, we'll start talking more jets in the next coming days and well, next couple of weeks as we get closer to training camp. But on a day like today, nothing going on in hockey. You knew it was going to be dominated by football. And uh, tell you what, three down football, four down football. These next couple of weeks are going to be wild before the Winnipeg Jets get onto the ice. We got the Young Stars tournament, not this weekend, but the following weekend. Things are heating up on Winnipeg Sports Talk as we get into the new month. Yeah, I'm getting fired up here. Football, Jeff was mentioning the draft. There's a media draft taking place tonight. 
we're in. And uh, yeah, NFL kickoff Thursday. Young stars next week. I'm sure they'll be arriving. We've already seen photos of what Gabe Velarde skating Winnipeg. The Jets are putting out this uh, thirsty social media content. <laughs> Jets. Great term. In, great term. In practice. We need it right now. It's September. Uh, fantasy projections coming out for, for hockey. Two now start. I'm seeing a lot of rankings, yearbooks coming out, season previews. Uh, this is awesome. I, you know, I, I had a week off. I'm energized. I'm ready to be back, and this is going to be a lot of fun. Yeah. Well, and as I said, next week will be the Young Stars tournament, which will uh, kind of head right into the official start of training camp. We get to hear from Bones and Helly and Shifley, and have lots to talk about. And then get closer to dropping the puck. Of course, exhibition games later on towards the end of the month. And the opening game of the season, October 11th in Calgary. And Winnipeg Sports Talk will be there. Looking forward to that. Uh, All right, gang. Well, we're going to go do a little bit of prep for our big Superflex draft tonight. We'll tell you about it tomorrow, maybe a little later on. We will do a little more NFL preview. Try and find out, maybe heading into... The game on Thursday night about the Chiefs situation with Travis Kelsey getting nicked up today at practice and a really juicy matchup against the upstart Detroit Lions. Uh, we'll be all over Canada basketball. Watch the game tomorrow, 7.30 a.m. against Luka Doncic and Slovenia. And uh, plenty more on the Banjo Bowl coming up considering the aftermath of the Labor Day Classic. Big thanks to Hot Rod Peterson, Jeff Hamilton, Dustin Nielsen, Dwight Walton, and all of you for making us a part of your day, gang. Uh, Have a great one tonight, and make sure to join us tomorrow at 1 p.m. Tell your friends about Winnipeg Sports Talk. School's back in session, as it were. So is WST. Summer's over. Let's get down to it. We'll see you tomorrow at 1 p.m. Oh, my God. Shut it down. Thanks for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at winnipegsportstalk.com.